Gagatrundra. Welcome to the Cauldron of Gaming podcast show, a video game show for witches, wizards, and the magical at heart who play games and watch things. Let us begin the ceremony. I'm your host, the evil and vile Frankie. Today I'm joined by the meticulous Josh. I like to watch paint dry. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also joined by the lively Facile. Did you know your bones are wet? Are they? They are. I think about it. I yeah. didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Look at that every day, something new. Maybe all the flesh in your body, the surrounding, all the tendons. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and the water you drink to keep all that stuff going. Finally today, we have here with us the imaginative Fabrice. Hi, hi. Ho, ho. Um, yeah. As far as an icebreaker, this one's going to be a little bit of a weird one, but we're just getting the conversation rolling, teasing all of our listeners out there. We're going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct first off before we update everybody on our lives and the media we're getting into. Uh, The meat of the episode, we're actually going to be discussing what makes the big console uh, companies right now, such as Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft, different from each other and unique um, from one another, I guess. Uh, But first... Uh, I know Valentine's Day just happened. Uh, as far as I know, for all of us, uh, we don't really have anything going on that's romantic or sultry, sexy, or pornographic of nature happening. Um, unless you did and want to keep that to yourself, that's fine. But do you all have like an ideal Valentine's Day that you would have should that ideal partner come up? As in, oh. what would be your ideal Valentine's Day? Damn. Start with you, Josh, because it looks like you're thinking you're about that. Pa- no, as a pastor, I got to think about that because <laughs> I got to be honest with you. Valentine's Day is one of the few, is like one of the uh, holidays that I actually um, could say, you could say I'm a little prejudiced towards. <laughs> so- we could talk about that too because actually I don't like Valentine's Day. Yeah. I can't think of ever really doing anything special for it. Sorry. Give me, yeah, give me a pass. So I'll, think about, I'll think about it. Yeah, yeah for a second. What about you, Fasil? You think of anything that you would do when I like if you had the day off and your partner did and you loved them so much and you had all the funds in the world and you could go anywhere? Do you have an ideal place and thing you'd want to do? Um, I don't know. I'm. I mean, like, is it for them? Or for me? Because I'm just. I'm very boring. <laughs> but uh i think if it was it was for my partner i'd probably like i don't know i do something crazy maybe like you know go on a cruise or no that's actually pretty gross you know cruises cruises uh people don't know this about them they're very 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 nasty places because you know, i've heard that, that, yeah you know that 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 poop stays with you throughout the entire trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, I, I think I would, you know, go skydiving, but with like one of those squirrel suits that let you fly. Oh, you, <laughs> you, you have to hope that I gotta, gotta add something to that. It takes a while to believe and be able to qualify to do that. Well, I do one of those things because I figure right. like, it, it's really fun because, you know, for one, it's like, uh, exhilarating and two there's like a real like a, a decent chance that we may or may not die and it's like you know if we die might as well do it together hmm. <laughs> like skydiving is actually pretty it's pretty dumb. it's like actually yes it's a thrill it's, it's a thrill-seeking activity but it is actually safe yeah, like, and most of the accidents that do happen is actually uh related to the user it's the person who causes the accident not the equipment oh. itself yeah oh, maybe yeah. have your will drawn up before you go out on the plane <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, i don't know I, I probably just like you know cook a nice dinner honestly 
mm-hmm. you know like sit down and just like watch stupid stuff like i i just like like my ideal thing was just kind of like staying in and chilling like i'm i'm a lazy homebody i mean that sounds ideal to me and i think that's what we did but uh, uh actually on that note fabrice did you have an, a different idea uh with those parameters in place no i always treat valentine's it's just a regular day yeah, it's just not it's 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 not the most like uh appealing holiday really. Mm-mm. Like I think especially because it's like after the Christmas season, like when the high end stress of that season wears down, you kind of stop caring about all holidays that subsequently come after. I know Josh was thinking about it, but it seems like the general consensus consensus with us is that uh Valentine's Day is not really our cup of tea, our bowl of tea, our noodle soup. It's not yeah. on our alley. I do have I do have a slight idea though. I mean, so technically, so if you think about it, actually, we are surrounded by beauty everywhere you look. You might have to look harder sometimes in some places, but if you look hard enough, you'll find beauty. So instead of trading uh, Valentine's Day maybe as a day that, well, yeah, I guess it's still about you know romance and all that fun and good ooey gooey fun stuff stuff that you can possibly have going on that day. Um, treat it like it's a day of uh, beauty. So I would think that I'd honestly, I'm the type of person too that will put whoever I'm with first and try to create activities around what they do. Try to put a little bit, maybe some of the stuff that I like into it too, of course. Um, but, you know, we live in Colorado. So there is so many different places you can go in Colorado to see beauty. So I would think that a hike would possibly be something that's involved um maybe throwing some type of a thrill-seeking activity into it if that person's up to thrill-seeking i mean i'd hope that whoever i find is up to thrill-seeking because damn that's like one of the funnest parts of life in my opinion i think that's really it i think it would just be hard for me to put in that type of effort into you know what i think is just like the world's most intricate chocolate marketing scheme Mm. you know as far as like Vasil saying, like, you know, just staying at home, chilling and cooking dinner sounds nice. Mm. It sounds great to me. I guess if I had to say an ideal version of it with the parameters of um, unlimited resources and being able to go or do anything we want, I would just do the up version of that where maybe just like renting out a whole restaurant, preferably on the roof of a skyscraper would be nice. Just being alone. Nobody else, please. Yeah. And then renting out a movie theater to play video games in. That would be great for me. <laughs> Damn, that would be fun. That would be fun. Can you imagine playing Hellblade Sending a Sacrifice inside of a movie theater that has optimal surround sound? Or like PT. Or any, yeah, anything that's like anything that has like awesome sound design. <laughs> that's probably well, gonna be the evolution of VR. Now that we've shit all over Valentine's Day, uh, to all <laughs> listeners out there, if you enjoy Valentine's Day and you had a great day, go ahead and share that with us. Uh Get at us on Twitter uh, at Cauldron Gaming. Uh, go ahead and drag us through the dirt if you love Valentine's Day, or raise your arm and uh, praise the hate on Valentine's Day. Either way, you know, do you? Don't mm-hmm. let us. Kind. Don't let. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't let it, don't let our humbuggery get in the way of your festivities. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think it's so important we- to no matter what, if you can, like, if you're with someone you know, do your best to let them know that they're important to you, regardless of what day of the week it is. Yep. Very eloquently said. That was, that's my whole point about Valentine's Day. That you can celebrate this kind of love any day of the week. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's that important. 
to just do it on the 14th of February. Well, let's go ahead and move on, guys. I've got a game for you, finally. I know that's been absent for eh, probably over a month now. But uh, I call this game, wait a gosh darn second. Uh, this is a doggone game where, <laughs> where I'm going to give you all a video game and the category of that game, uh, multiple choices included. Uh, one thing does not fit there. And I'm going to take an answer from all of you. Each one who correctly guesses which one does not belong wins the point. Uh, let me grab myself a pen and paper so I can keep track of this shiza. And uh, I'll just uh, bathe in the silence of the cauldron while this is happening. <laughs> Somebody can make like what, like you know swishing sounds, right? You know. That sounds yeah. like it'd be a good album title. Bathing in, bathing, in, bathing in the cauldron. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say silence of the cauldron, but you know that could be one of the songs. <laughs> With like a controller over a woman's lips. Something and she's like scared. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've got 10 of these for you guys. Yeah. We're going to start with the Mass Effect series. And these are alien races. Tell me which one doesn't belong. At, like, in context to uh, one, of the, one of the games or in the whole series? The whole so. series. Oh, well, I didn't play Andromeda. So, All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So four choices here. I think it's four choices for all these. So I've got the Angara, the Balan, the Vorcha, or the Yog. Josh, which one doesn't belong? God dang it, because I feel like three of them I've never, I don't remember hearing. Only one of them, I remember the Vorcha for sure, especially from the first Mass Effect. Mark me for the second option. The Balan? Uh, no, go the could first you, one. Could, could we, could we the say that one more time? Yeah, please. Actually, yeah, I'll repeat yeah. them for you. Uh, the Angara, the Balan, the Vorcha, or the Yog? The Yog. Okay. What do you think, Fabrice? Uh, I haven't even played these, but I've heard you say a few of these before, so I've never heard the last one. The Yog? Yeah. Okay. And Fasil? It's Yog time. You're all thinking Yog? Yog. Okay, well, none of you got that point. The Yog actually are a race in, <laughs> in Which uh, one is Mass it? Effect. Number two, the Balan. Balan? Really? That's uh, that demo I played, Balan Wonderland. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Well, damn. So I should have stuck with my second option originally, huh? Oh, well. <laughs> well, you were initially right, so, you know. No, uh, no, nah, nah, I think I the Yog, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you picked right, but then you just went back on what you thought. So, guys, stick with uh, your instincts. Next, which uh, game are the which game which game is the which game is uh that, that fourth race in? Is it the is it Andromeda? It's one of the basic races. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Here, if uh, you guys want to vamp, I could look up. Yeah, please. It'll take a little segue here because I feel like, um, well, I guess I need to brush up on my Mass Effect lore. Okay, so do you guys remember Mass Effect 2? Um, there was the DLC, the Shadow Broker. Yes. Mm-hmm. The oh, Shadow yeah. Broker was a Yog. Oh, okay. Okay. That wasn't right. a bad DLC, actually. Okay. It was one yeah. of the best. Yeah. Um, we're moving on to the second one. This is Sonic the Hedgehog characters. Ooh. All right. So <laughs> we've got Fang the Sniper, Charmy B, Maria Robotnik, or Indigo the Armadillo. Oh my god. Josh, what do you play? The, I don't play those games. Can you say that? Can you say those one more time? Bang the Sniper, 
Charmy B, Maria Robotnik, or Indigo the Armadillo? Bang the sniper. Mm-hmm. No. No? I'm going to say uh, Maria. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, Fabrice has helped me out here. All right. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to go with Indigo Armadillo. Indigo Armadillo. Okay, well, Vasil, you're the only one who got a point. That was the, the character. Okay. I I remember looking these up, and I can't remember who Maria Robotnik was, but that who was, was she's, she's Robotnik's daughter, granddaughter. Granddaughter? Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's, he has a lineage. That's that's pretty insane. Yeah, she's dead, though. <laughs> she's dead? She's very dead. Uh, the Sonic killer? You knew this already. Or Knuckles killer? Yeah, it was, um, it was in Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow Taker. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's a part of his backstory. Oh, okay. All right, okay. well, we've got Mega Man X bosses next. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got Flame Hippopotamus, Wire Sponge, Toxic Seahorse, or Rainy Turtleoid. Wire, wire sponge, sponge just sounds fun. Wire Sponge just out of here. Okay. Uh, can you say them again? Uh, yeah. Flame hippopotamus, wire sponge, toxic seahorse, or rainy turtleoid? Flame hippopotamus. I think Vasil's killing this game because that is uh, correct. <laughs> yeah, uh, wire sponge, toxic seahorse, and rainy turtleoid are actually bosses that you can fight in uh, the Mega Man X series. Okay. Yeah. I knew because the the flame elephant is one of the actual is one of the bosses oh, yeah. there's a lot of flame bosses that's why yeah just yeah just the one that up. just the one that was specifically called like a flame animal was like a flame elephant i just fought the boss so it was just a coincidence okay uh next we have this is the fourth question locations in final fantasy 7 we've got might have a shot at this might <laughs> We've got the Mithril Mine, the Lost City, the Cave of the Ghee, or Gungaga. Josh, start with you. Cave of the Ghee. Okay. Fabrice. Mm. The last one. Gungaga. Oh. Okay. Can, I'm sorry to keep repeating myself, but can you say them again? Yeah. <laughs> Mithril oh. Mine, Lost City, Cave of the Ghee, or Gungaga. Mithril Mines. The Mithril Mine. Okay. Uh, well, I fucking tricked all of you. Uh, <laughs> Nobody got that right. Uh, the fake one was Lost City. The real place was called Forgotten City. You're right. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're see, right. see, when you said Lost City, I thought that was like, oh, yeah, that's that's like where Aerith dies. That's what I thought. So hey, not everybody's played the game, man. Come on. Oh. Oops. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that because of pop culture, you know that she's not. She doesn't. Uh, well, maybe, maybe if we stop bringing it up, people will just like slide on by who don't know it and right. forget that we said it. So we don't have to put. Well, a who knows what's gonna happen in the remake? Hopefully, maybe she. Maybe she doesn't die. For real, who knows what's gonna happen in yeah. part two? Maybe yeah. it's Cloud. Maybe it's Cloud who dies and Aerith becomes the main tar- main the main protagonist. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not actually. Yeah, I'm not really <laughs> pierced in the sense if they if they write a better story than the one they did in the '90s, I'd be down for it. I think they have the potential to do so. Actually. Yeah. Who knows what they're going to do? I think yeah. they're lying to us when they say it's going to be 
spot on close to the script from now on i don't know uh, it's been the best favorite and it's been the best favorite to make sure it's just like a wild ride yeah make let's make it so it's reminiscent of the original game for people who got a chance to play the game or hell watched uh the movie that you don't like frankie <laughs> watched uh what do you call it uh advent children advent children, advent children. yeah since the character designs are are you know based on those designs so yeah okay 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 we're halfway through the game <laughs> <laughs> uh fifth option here or fifth question here is races in skyrim so which is one of these is fake the fastmer the bossmer the altmer or the orsimer josh you have to say those one more time i know fastmer bossmer altmer or orsimer fudge nuggets i didn't I couldn't tell you this either, so I feel like this is maybe a trick question. I've played Skyrim, but I have too. Yeah, I'm just like <laughs> maybe the fast because I think the other two are dwarves or rock dwarves or something to that effect. I can't remember. The Osamar orcs, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Fabrice, do you want to give a blind guess for this one? I'm gonna just go for the second one, the Bosmer. Yeah. All right, and you Fasil. Altmer. The which one? Altmer. That's the third one, right? Oh, yeah, Last. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Josh, you actually got the point for that. Uh, the Fastmer are not a real race in Skyrim. And you know more about the other races because I couldn't tell you what the other ones were. <laughs> uh, I could be wrong. It's been it's been so long. Although there's so many different races. I mean, if you, yeah, there's so many damn races in Skyrim. I was going to say, I know there's more than one type of elf. So yeah, I, there is. I believe mm. you. Yeah. Uh, sixth question here. We've got wildlife that is in wild. Or I'm sorry, wildlife that's in Red Dead Redemption Two. Okay. So we've got Java chicken, cormorant, platypus. Or booby, 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 yeah. Are you all saying booby? No, yeah. I'm just. No. What is that? It's it's a, a type of bird. Oh wait, no, 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 wait. Maybe booby, because it'd be crazy. No wait, is it possible to find a booby in California? That's where it takes place, right? Kinda. It takes only, place in Mexico, also. Oh, Mexico! I, I only I only remember two two of the ones that you said. Uh, can Can I have a list again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Java chicken, cormorant, platypus, or booby. I'm gonna say booby. I'm gonna say platypus. I'm gonna say cormorant. Okay, Fabrice, you actually got a point for that. For some reason, platypus were not in Red Dead Redemption Two. Oh, boobies were though, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, you get to kill you get to kill birds in that game, huh? Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think it might have been because platypuses have the potent neurotoxin, and that doesn't mix well with cowboys. Wait, what? Like you can make? I don't know. Could you have a bow and arrow in Red Dead Redemption Two? I don't remember. I don't. Yeah, you could. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it, just, it just seems goofy to have a bow and arrow in Red Dead Redemption 2, though. Really? Yeah, but they, just because, like, the, 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 the game is just about a bunch of, like, cowboys. So cowboys I don't think, no, but, I don't think you use bow and arrows at all. Okay. The thing is, a, hunting is a big component of that game, though. Yeah, but right. it's also, like, the West. By then, they're just all guns. We could fact check this later. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, we're almost through this. We've got question number seven here. Uh, this is World's Travel to, Disney World's Travel to in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, man, I haven't played that in a long time. So we've got the Candy Kingdom from Wreck-It Ralph, La Cité de Clochet from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Dwarf Woodlands from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, or Jamestown Clearing from Pocahontas. Think Jamestown Clearing from Pocahontas, but I would think that would be Pocahontas, but probably was maybe added in Kingdom Hearts 3, but I haven't played Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't know. Jamestown. Jamestown? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. By you, Fabrice. I want to say Hunchback, maybe. The La Cite de Clochet. <laughs> and Facile, do you need me to repeat them again? No, um, I got the same answer as Josh. Jamestown? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. You never go to a world in Pocahontas in the whole series. So I, mean, I didn't think so. Right. Yeah, I didn't think so. But I thought that was weird because I never knew that um, you went to the Wreck-It Ralph world. Yeah, that was my question mark. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, this, I thought, yeah that was added in Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts 3. 3. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm it's sorry, in Kingdom what? Hearts Unit X. You know oh, is that right? Yeah, it's it not, in, not three. in 3. Oh, it's not in 3. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's so many. I mean, if, you, if you're if you lucky enough to, well, I guess you, now you could probably play all the games pretty much now because of the new collection. But prior to the most recent collection of all the games, you had to have like five different consoles to play all the damn games. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. I love that Josh was like, you know, I've never played Kingdom Hearts 3. And then I talked about the candy. What was it? Candy Kingdom. And Josh was like, yeah, that was in Kingdom Hearts 3. And then Fabrice <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. did play that game. We're like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to remember. You got to remember. Like, I'm always right until I'm proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're on to the eighth question. We're almost through the game, guys. Put in your correct answers. This is Monsters from the Silent Hill series. We've got the Air Screamer, the Greedy Slurper, the Gumhead, and the Abstract Daddy. The Abstract Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Josh? That Slurper, Jesus. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> Greedy there, goes, there goes. Yep, and Frankie just slurped. Anyway, so. <laughs> uh, um, it was me I'm, all along. Right? Uh, he's the Abstract <laughs> Slurping Daddy. Anyways. <laughs> Um, sorry, uh, I'm gonna go with can you, one more time. Can you name them because they were all absurd names? Yeah, um, the air screamer, the greedy slurper, the gumhead, or the abstract daddy. Gumhead, you're gonna go with gumhead for sure. Okay, Fabrice, the slurper, you're gonna go with the greedy slurper. Yeah, all right, and facile. Mm, greedy slurper you're gonna go with the greedy slurper also yeah silent hill 3 has a monster that slurps you up and crawls all over you but it is not called the greedy slurper that is not a monster in the series okay right on that gives a point to fabrice and facile good job guys my friends are doing well (laughs) You're my friend too, Josh. I was gonna say, I think I only have one point. <laughs> you have two points. Oh, okay. Okay. We're almost through it. Two more questions. Uh, question number nine is Metal Gear Solid characters. Okay, so we've got Genola, the Pain, 
Nastasha Romanenko, and The Anger. Josh. Uh, the Anger. Okay. Fabrice. The first one. Ginola. Yeah. And Facile. The Anger. I am surprised you didn't get this, Fabrice. The Anger is not a character in the Metal Gear Solid series. I think the Fury is, though. Is that what that character's name was? Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Fury. The astronaut with the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Genola is actually the giant genome soldier in Metal Gear Solid VR missions. If you all remember that, the one that was kind of like Godzilla. See, I do not remember that. I actually thought that one was one of the ones that wasn't, that was actually the fake one. But then I was like, the anger. No, it's it's the Fury. Okay. So, I thought <laughs> I didn't so, do a good job with putting some red herrings in that one, I guess. It's hard to find a good synonym for Fury besides mm-hmm. anger. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got one final question for y'all. And we're going back to Final Fantasy VII for this. Mm-hmm. So maybe y'all might get this. This is types of materia in Final Fantasy VII. We've got contain, seal, reflect, or mystify. Josh. Mystify, I think. What about you, Fabrice? Yeah, I think he's right. And Facile. Yeah, I think Josh got this. You're all going mystify? Yeah. We'll find out we're wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? Is seal or something? There's no reflect material. There is no reflect? No. Oh, really? Oh, that's weird. I guess I it's think, just a... Oh. I think reflect kind of gets um, put in with like the protect shell wall material. Oh, yeah. Good point. Reflect is a spell in other Final Fantasy games. Yeah, yeah. God. (laughs) (laughs) Mystify is the type of materia that allows you to um, inflict confuse and berserk. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. Let's rally up these points and see who won. Josh, it looks like you got three points. Fabrice, you got two points. And Basile got four points. Round Mm. of applause for Basile. He wins a $10,000 prize courtesy of our sponsor, uh, Crush Orange Soda, which they are not a sponsor. I was going to say, hold on. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I was like, uh, no, we are not sponsored by them. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were yeah. just bringing some fake brand. I was expecting that, too, to find out later that actually are an actual brand. And... <laughs> Don't sue us, Crush. I'll make sure to uh, do some research and give you a better answer as who the sponsor who provides the prize money is next time. But Fasil, um, expect that to be in your Venmo soon after the episode. <laughs> not. No, I was going to say we're not sponsored, y'all. I hope <laughs> you guys yet. had fun with that do. game. <laughs> I'll try to make sure and be better about doing this every week and trying to do different types of things to get us into the fun of video games. Uh, let's go ahead and roll into the Nintendo Direct. Um, who here watched it? I fell asleep watching it, but I did watch most of it. Yes. I think Fasil, Fabrice and I watched parts of it. Ooh, I was kind of dipping was, in and I out. Was, I was cooking, but yes. I peeked mm-hmm. my head in a couple times. 
Mm-hmm. I fell asleep when they announced um, Skyward Sword, which, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> really excited about that. So. Yeah. I, I started watching it, and then I remembered, oh, shit, the post office is going to close. I have to mail something out. So then I left, and then I forgot about it by the time they came back. Well, it was about a 50-minute show. It was on February 17th. This is the first Nintendo Direct we've had in 18 months, the last one being in September of 2019. So people were very excited with uh, the 35th anniversary of Zelda coming around. People were expecting an HD collection of, or possibly a remake of Ocarina of Time. People were thinking that Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD were finally going to be coming to the Switch nothing exciting happened um josh might disagree i was gonna say (laughs) i mean i actually was really disappointed because you know um the thing that i was really hoping they would announce they didn't which which i thought they were yeah same i thought they were going to announce like um you know a metroid hd collection for the switch oh gotcha i think um because they didn't announce that, I guess we could talk about it now. But I think they're going to wait a little bit longer before they release the Metroid Prime Trilogy HD, which I'm pretty sure they'll do. They'll probably just do it right before Metroid Prime 4 is ready. But who knows? Because I really, really thought we were going to get Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD at least on the Switch this year with that anniversary oh, coming up. Oh, Wind Waker um, HD would be amazing. But uh, the yeah, the general consensus of the internet has been like, well, we just hyped it up too much, and it didn't really huh. deliver. So uh, glad that I, I avoid hype trains as much as possible these days. I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, the first Nintendo Direct in eighteen months seems like kind of a big deal, but uh, oh. kind of lackluster. But we'll go through. I'm gonna go through some big announcements and anything I miss. You guys can bring up. Um, fair, fair. We opened the show with the announcement of. A new fighter joining Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, which is Pyra and Mithra from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Right. Um, a fire and a lightning character that can swap freely between each other during combat. I'm in the process of playing the first game in that series, and I'm not done with it. So I obviously haven't played the sequel. Did anybody else play Xenoblade Chronicles 2? No, I've only had friends that played it. Yeah, but I've heard really good things about that, about that game, though. So, Fasil, you know who Pira and Mithra are? Yeah, yeah. Are they cool um, characters? They seem kind of, they seem cool. No, yeah, they are. The 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 fire character is like um, basically the main character along with the character that you play. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, um, like the other character is like this powerful rival that uh, initially is your enemy, but later becomes your ally. Are we excited about this? Are these two um is this a cool character to have added to the roster i think so yeah definitely i don't really play smash much anymore or actually really at all even though i do have them uh, i would say <laughs> i would say though it's just cool to see them adding more characters to that roster i think um that's one of the best things i think about smash brothers is that how many other games can say they have awesome all these great characters to play as yeah. the best cast yeah, the best cast. there you go it's good what well, yeah not very many fighting games have really awesome cast of fighters yeah I don't really know much about these characters, but I do love Smash. I don't play it as often as I used to when it first came out, but I do always try to catch up when, or like, you know, get back into it when new characters come out. Okay. And I'm pretty excited about these ones. Um, 
this isn't really an exciting announcement for me personally, but it was kind of one of the bigger announcements. Um, Mario Golf Super Rush is coming out on the Switch mm. on June 25th. So we have a new Mario Golf game coming out. Is anybody here interested in that? Not really. I'm more of a Mario Soccer kind of guy. Yeah, I want to see them make another Super Strikers. That's what, that's what I want to Super Strikers is so fun. So awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. It looks like in that style of kind of everybody's golf or Hot yeah. Shots golf, which are games I like. Uh, they make golf fun, but it's it's not necessarily a game that I, you know, I'm like, well, I've got some free time. Let me put on uh, put on that golf game. Yeah, there's just so many other be- better games to play. It just really seems like a party game, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Many you know, especially with the yeah the the new multiplayer options they added. Um, what did seem kind of fun was that way that people can all play a game of golf at the same time, and you're kind of rushing to finish the whole course first. That okay. seemed kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's interesting enough to get me to buy and play it. No, this be one of those games too that's probably going to hold its value, so we'll never see it go on sale. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel if like it I went on play, sale. Yeah, I would play that the last Mario Tennis game that came out before I'd play this. I think. Oh, okay. If that ever went on sale. Okay. If it has. Uh, but moving on from that, because apparently none of us really have an interest in it. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD comes out July 16th. Uh, I'll throw it over to Josh because I I never played this okay. game. I'm not the biggest Zelda fan. I'm more of a beginner to the series myself. I would say that personally, um, Skyward Sword was the equivalent of the VR game for, um, is my opinion, for uh, Fable. The Fable games. There's a VR game for Fable that I I love Fable. Never played the the VR game because why the hell would I want to play Fable in VR? And then with when it comes to Skyward Sword, is why do I want to play a game that I can't use traditional controls for? Uh, that's exactly my point. That's that's yeah. what I didn't like about Skyward Sword either. So like my 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 best friend gave it to me as a gift because he knew that I liked Zelda so much. It was the 25th anniversary when that game came out for Nintendo, for that, for oh, that wow. franchise, I believe. So I've, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody might have more information about this, but I'm pretty sure us getting Skyward Sword now is, a, is makes sense because it's a 10 year anniversary for Skyward Sword. I could be wrong about that though. Uh, anyway, uh, so I did try it. I got the Wii U, the Wii U, uh, or yeah, not the Wii U, the Wii Motion Plus controller to play no all that Yeah, didn't like. I I think I played ten minutes of it, fifteen minutes of it, and I just couldn't get in wrap my head around the controls. I was like, to me, playing video games is supposed to be like you know, uh, sit back in a chair and be comfortable and play games. Right? I felt like you had to stand up and play that game. It just yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, yeah, I, I had the same problem with Skyward Sword that I had with yeah. like Metroid Prime Three, in which like just the motion controls felt like it, it kind of took me away from the engagement of the game. Like I, I, I focused too much on these awkward controls that I can't really like melt into the game I'm playing, you know? But I think like it's exciting to see Skyward Sword because it's like an opportunity to just play it with, with a traditional controller. Yeah, because they're adding that feature too. And I think they're yeah. gonna also be, they're also gonna be han- enhancing the motion controls too. So the motion controls could still be fun now, even more, more enjoyable at least. Uh, one of the things that they didn't do in the direct though, which I will happily do right now, is that they never went into what the game was really about. And I would say if you're interested at all in the lore of Zelda, Granted, it's really hard to follow. Um, this is the, the this is the alpha. I would say this is the game that you find out why Zelda and Link are and Ganon are all connected. I heard that this game is about the creation of the Triforce. It's right, about the, so that's a bit, basically uh, the same thing. 
essentially essentially without giving away too much yeah basically this is the origin story of of zelda and yeah. zelda link and uh and ganon i mean i actually got like i mean i didn't beat it but i got a like fairly far into the game before mm-hmm. i just couldn't just stomach the, the motion controls anymore but i mean outside of just that one issue it is like a very good game you know like standalone it is like a very well well-made game I uh, like I said I'm I'm kind of a beginner to Zelda, but I've really liked what I played so far. I did play Twilight Princess when it came out, but I played it on the the Wii, so I played it with motion controls, and I didn't mind playing that way, which I thought what this game was. Um, I definitely know that they're adding uh, traditional controls without motion, but uh, what's kind of keeping me away from it is that people who are Zelda fans still don't like this game very much. I don't hear a lot of good things said about it, so. I I'm, I think I'm going to sit and wait on this one just because oh. like hearing from from veterans of the series that this isn't um, really some people are saying it's not worth playing. I Well, I think I a lot of people, wait. but actually I, I honestly wouldn't let that dissuade you from playing it. I wouldn't wait if I were you because, you know, that, that same kind of criticism is actually levied towards Twilight Princess as well. Because before Skyward Sword oh, came, okay. Twilight Princess was the most reviled of the Zelda games because, you know, like it, it just kind of strayed too far from the very traditional Nintendo formula for Zelda really? games. I like hearing uh, that from you then, because I actually really uh, like Twilight Princess. Same here. Like, um, like, I'm a huge Metroid fan. I've been a Metroid fan since I was a little kid. And the, the least liked Metroid game um, of all the games out there is Metroid Other M. And the reason for it is because, you know, it had a lackluster story. And it uh, they, they basically just kind of ended up you know, breaking some of the traditional aspects of like Metroid games. And, you know, that's that's something that a lot of people who are curious don't really tend to like. But the game itself, outside of those things, was fun to play. You know, it was they just it was a Metroid game. I mean, it wasn't like tried and true Metroid, like the fans were used to, but you know, they just did something different. And I think that's it's a similar thing with Skyward Sword. You know, it's, it's a good game. I think it has a, a one of the better you know, antagonists for Zelda. True. And, you know, it's just satisfying boss fights. It's good. Okay, well, maybe... Hmm. I just, I'll sit know. and wait because I'm just, like, not completely sure, but you've kind of... Um, Fasil, you've kind of persuaded me a little bit towards more of having more interest towards it, but we shall see. Again, that game is coming out pretty soon, July 16th. Um, yeah, good. it's just, um, I mean, like, what, 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 like, the the popular crowd enjoys and what somebody's personally going to enjoy aren't the same thing. Because, like I said, mm. people hated Twilight Princess. You know, they said it was the worst Zelda ever made. Oh, like, my God. And, you know, yeah. It's just, it's, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> and then, and a similar thing was said about Wind Waker as well. You know, Wind Waker fair got a lot enough. of That's got a lot fair. of hate initially. Like yeah. Wind Waker didn't actually like get popular until like like post posthumously. When it initially came out, they were like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. You know. I did play that one on the GameCube. I was pleasantly surprised because I was skeptical of of it too. I was like, "What the heck is this?" And played it, and I was like, "Oh well, um, yeah, fair yeah. enough." Skepticism yeah. dashed. <laughs> yeah. You know, just like generally, like Nintendo games, even if they like decide to like go a different route, there's a level of quality control you can just expect from the games. Sure. And one thing, don't 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 discredit the possibilities of uh, Wind Waker and uh, Twilight Princess coming to the Switch. It's possible we might be getting them. Yeah. Still, 
since this is since this is a, you know the the thirty fifth anniversary. I'm hoping so. I just mm. I never beat Twilight Princess because I was borrowing it from somebody, and I it was probably my first Zelda, and it really impressed me. I really liked it. Um, you know, actually, actually, like they probably will come up with HDs because a similar line of thinking to what you were saying about Metroid Prime Four and how they're gonna probably come out with the HD trilogy. Uh, as a way to whet people's appetites for the new Metroid IP, they're probably going to do the same thing because they're in the process of making, um, you know, Zelda oh, Breath of the Wild too. Yes, that, that. The 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 only reason I was surprised about it is that they already have released Wind Waker and Twilight Princess HD. They just came out on the Wii U, and of course on the Switch we're getting all those Wii U ports coming over here. Um, so it's curious that they kind of already made these games. They just don't want to give them to us on the Switch. Which, well, I think the reason is because it's like <sighs> they're like it's like strategic because they like they know how bad that we want them. You know. Bless you to whoever sneezed. Because the the super the the that the Super Mario HD collection sold out sold like crazy. So they're just probably trying to plan their moves accordingly in the same way. They're trying to like maximize. Are you talking about three D All Stars? Sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I'm just killing these titles, you know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like the, the, it's just like that. It just like nostalgia sells very, very well. So I think they they do stuff like you know, and I'm just like speculating here, but they might try be trying to line it up to, with like other releases or trying to push the release of those things co- closer to certain time points so they can report higher sales at the end of their you know quarterly reviews. Sorry, stuff guys. like that. You know, so well, it's not because if they have the capability and they don't want to deliver, even though they make a ton of money off of it, that means they're just trying to maximize how much money they're going to make off of it later. Well, let's go ahead and move on from Zelda because uh, more things happened at the yeah. Nintendo Direct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously we just we all have mixed feelings about it, but uh, you know we'll have an opinion about it soon enough. Absolutely. Um, uh, one of the big surprises, and I think what closed out the show, was that Splatoon Three was announced and set to come out in to be determined 2022 i don't know about you guys but i did play splatoon 2 when i got a switch it was probably one of the first games i got and i really really liked it i didn't stick with it for too long because of course i didn't there's no voice chat there's not really a way to make friends on that game Uh, and even if i did have friends on uh nintendo's online infrastructure it's so hard to play with your friends and talk with them while you're playing so it's not. It doesn't give me that fun online experience because Nintendo sucks at that. But I thought it was a good game, and I'm excited to see what the third one does. Uh, are any of you um, interested in Splatoon three? I thought it was fun, but you know, same as you, I just I couldn't really like get into it because it's one of those games that's like just really more fun when you're playing with other people, mm-hmm. and unless you just have a bunch of people with you and extra controllers to play, you're not really going to get the most fun out of the game. You know, it's just one of those things where, like, the game has a lot of potential, but, like, Sony's online infrastructure kind of stifles it. Microsoft, yeah. 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 I just, yeah, if Nintendo can really work on their online infrastructure and, like, make a big change for the better, I might be more excited for this. Right. They have a full year. The game's set to, it doesn't have a release date. It's coming out next year, but they have plenty of time to make a change for the better Mm. and make this game exciting for me to play for us to play uh, if we could play it together and have a good time anyway <laughs> this is not an exciting announcement but it's something i did want to bring up just because um 
it was going to be in my part of what have you been playing but since it was announced for the nintendo direct i thought i'd just lump it in here as kind of a segue i guess um square enix announced a new game called project triangle strategy um which oh. has no release date but it's set to be coming out next year also oh yeah and it looks like it's the follow-up to Octopath Traveler because it has that mm-hmm. 2D HD style where mm-hmm. you're you have sprites for characters, but you have kind of uh, pixely yet beautiful environments that you're exploring. Uh, the big difference here, though, is that it's a tactics game. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks very much like Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, I looked into it, and it, it looks like Masashi Takahashi and Tomoya Asano are the producers. Uh, who worked on Octopath Traveler and the default or Bravely Default series. I couldn't get confirmation, but this game looks like it was definitely made by the same people. Uh, what do you guys think about this, if you remember it? Project Triangle Strategy. Mm, I, I, For me, since I am I do like strategy games, um, it will be a game that I will be playing uh, pure and just because it looks like fun. Uh, it does remind me very much of uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So this well, might be a spiritual successor, actually, to Tactics, for all we know. Yeah, I think it is, because I'm a huge fan of Final Fantasy Tactics. I love Final Fantasy Tactics, mm-hmm. and that's what I thought when I played this game. Luckily for us, there was a demo that came out um, right after the Nintendo Direct that I downloaded. Oh, right. okay. um, I played it today, and I can say that it definitely feels like Final Fantasy Tactics, just with better graphics. Mm. Um, no class promising. systems, uh, but you do have a mm. you get to play with about like eight characters in your party who are actual people, they're not like people with classes or anything, it's just like actual characters in the story, they all have different abilities. So, I thought that was interesting. Um, I did have one of the main characters die, unlike Final Fantasy Tactics, you can't have your character die permanently. What happened to her is she just disappeared from the playing field and we couldn't revive her. Um, but okay. it, the rest okay. of it played a lot like final fantasy tactics just with like little changes here and there for like quality of life that made it just feel better the camera feels great uh way a uh, much improved improvement from uh, final fantasy tactics i've only played one battle uh, anyone who's played final fantasy tactics knows that battles go on for at least 20 to 30 minutes any standard battle so it did take me that long there's more to play though and i'm so excited to get back into it because i think i'm gonna play this on day one I'm so excited to see what it's about. Um, I love that tactics style of play. I'm mm. all in. Right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lisa, awesome. Josh, and I could maybe do a spoiler cast for it. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. We'll we'll plan that for plan that for our future when that game yeah. comes out. Yeah, I am so so stoked for that. Again, that doesn't have a release date, but it's coming out sometime next year. Mm. Anything else that you guys noticed from the Nintendo Direct that I didn't bring up? Legend of Mana. Yep, this was announced. <laughs> oh, it was. I forgot yep. about that. Yeah, with like it's... HD graphics. Yeah, I mean, honestly, to me, it looks like just like the old game it played. So back when I was when I first got my PlayStation, and I'm gonna say this: if that this is one of the gold, one of the gems on the PlayStation. If you ever had a PlayStation back in that day, time of day, that that yeah, that day and age, if you want to say yeah, um, I really can't really go into it very much, other than uh, it's just a. It's a fun side-scrolling beat 'em up game with RPG mechanics. I regret to say this, but I do have that game that you just held up. For listeners out there, Josh held up a um, a copy of Legend of Mana from the PlayStation One. I have that same copy too, and it was actually gifted to me by sister of renowned composer and 
uh, contributor to the show, Naughty Bits, and I never played it. <laughs> I feel so stupid because uh, I've heard nothing but good things, but now I have that chance to play with just like a little bit prettier graphics now, mm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a day one buy for me, for sure, because it's nostalgia at its best. So for me, mm. yeah. All right. Well, if that was it, let's go ahead and uh, move on to updating the coven out there about what we've been playing, watching, or listening to. Josh, I'm going to throw the ball to you, and you're going to catch it right now. Tell us what you want to tell us about. All right. So um, I'll start with games that I've been playing, and really nothing really new there. Uh, I'm still playing the Division 2. Been raiding, though. Been meeting a lot of people raiding, which is great. Um, I met somebody who speedruns monster hunter so i'll be playing with them later today so learning how to do some speed running in monster hunter world monster hunter world uh and then um i've also decided to check out the original division because i never played it and i'm actually enjoying the division um awesome uh, really when it comes to division everybody's listening if you're looking for a mm, a pretty decent looter shooter game to play that has a third person view the division's right up your alley uh that's it really for games. Now, when it comes to watching, uh, I think I mentioned last time I've been trying to get back into the MCU, at least the TV part of the MCU. Uh, I, I think I started, I, I finished Luke Cage and then I, well, not finished. I finished the first season of Luke Cage because uh, I've been trying to find it chronologically and found that I'm not watching him in order at all, but that's okay. So then I started watching Iron Fist. Um, and then as I got halfway through Iron Fist, I was like, something happened. And I was like, wait, I need to watch the. I need. I think I need to watch more of the Dare of Daredevil because I watched the first season of Daredevil and then did Luke Cage and did and did uh and then, yeah yeah and then I got to the point where I realized I had to watch more than one season of of the Daredevil to be because I'm trying to work my way to watching the Defenders again, but skipping Jessica Jones <laughs> and uh, then um so this part I haven't been watching anything though but uh, there was a recent announcement a trailer for a uh, anime that came out i want to say a few years ago it's available yeah available on netflix called uh be the beginning awesome fun anime to watch uh it's actually kind of a it's an action mystery drama anime with a little bit of a tinge of a love story which is actually pretty actually i think it's a unique love story honestly for that type of uh, genre and uh well the trailer for the second season dropped Cause there's a huge cliffhanger. It's not really a huge cliffhanger, but something happens at the end of the first season. You're like, Oh gosh, are we going to get more to this? Because it has um, kind of a rich lore and background to it. I'm not going to go into it. If you haven't watched be the beginning, I recommend it. It's on Netflix. You can watch it today. Okay. I can't say that I have anything to contribute on anything of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. Uh, but yeah. Do you have anything else you want to update us about? No, no. Mm-mm. Other than you know what, I think we got a game coming out here pretty soon. Uh, I want to say uh, there's a roguelike coming out pretty soon, guys. I can't remember what the heck it's called. It's a Curse of the Dungeon or something like that. Oh, that doesn't. Oh, no worries. To me. I'm gonna look into. I'll, I'll look into it real quick. And and but yeah, I, I'm done with my spiel. All right. Well, thank you, Josh. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and move on over to Fabrice. Tell us what's been going on with you lately. Yeah, I haven't played anything. Work. You know. You know how that goes. But we have been watching a couple shows that I really liked. Then we finished the season today of one. It's called Search Party. Uh, it's on HBO Max, and it's um, it's a dark comedy, right? 
I would consider it a dark dark comedy, comedy for sure. Yeah, it's weird. The storyline's weird. It's like, a, was it a disappearance of a former, like a college colleague? I guess you can call her. Uh, she ends up being missing, and then one of the main characters feels entitled not entitled but she like she needs to find this girl and figure out what happened to her because she ends up seeing her in the chinese restaurant so now she knows this person well i shouldn't say too much you guys just watch it but <laughs> okay <laughs> i was about to say the whole fucking first season but yeah it's a if you love a dark comedy just get into this it's it's really funny the characters are stupid <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but that's and then what wandavision still getting good still getting better i love that show hearing good things still confusing but uh you know that's all i mean i really haven't been doing much but i do want to talk about or did want to talk about search party so uh, i guess we can what would be fun to do is doing like a spoiler cast on wandavision when it's done because we only have one more episode left but um this last episode was really good really good Mm. And I definitely recommend Search Party to everybody. There's four seasons up on HBO Max. Uh, like okay. February said, we just finished the first season, but it's hilarious, but very dark. So if you like those things combined, uh, you'll find it there. <laughs> I guess I'll have to start. Uh, I'll have to kill, uh, not kill it, but watch a WandaVision. I have to start a free subscription to to Disney Plus so I can watch WandaVision. WandaVision. <laughs> yeah. Episodes every Friday. So at okay. least if you start it. On just Friday, wait until Friday. all the yeah. Just wait until wait till all of them. Okay, yeah. uh, guys, I know because I would love to be a part of that spoiler cast because I'm a I'm a fan of the of Marvel in general. It's a really good show. It got yeah. us to watch the movies. <laughs> that's awesome. Anything else, Fabrice? Nope, that's it. All right, let's go ahead and roll on over to Facile Country. What's going on with you, dude? Oh uh, yeah, same as Fabrice. Um really playing anything either just work has been a lot but you know i, I started re-watching uh this this dark comedy on hulu called what we do in the shadows oh we just finished uh the we don't watch that one you. yeah <laughs> yeah so i just started re-watching that um, okay. yeah it's a, it's a really funny show i think it's just um a show about three uh vampire roommates and their human familiar who's basically their slave there's a, also an energy vampire a there's also an, there's also an energy vampire who doesn't drink blood he just talks you to death um, <laughs> um huh. it's really good it's really good it's like i like it because i think um you know it's like a reverse of shows like the office like the office is like um the absurdity of a boring workplace whereas what we do in the shadows is like just the boring banality of you know day-to-day life as a supernatural being because like you know they're like vampires and whatnot but they still like bigger like regular roommates like sometimes they have to take buses they you know have problems doing laundry and they're they're they live in staten island you know they have people problems very, very boring people problems, despite being immortal, blood-sucking creatures of the night. One of my favorite episodes, which was one of the last ones we watched, is when uh, the vampires get an email and they try emailing somebody else about it, but it, it's to an email that doesn't exist. 
So they yeah. get an email back from the mailer demon and they think yeah. that they're cursed by the mailer demon. Yeah, yeah, because they got they, they, they got a chain email. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny because they're like in, in their lives, like curses and stuff like that are real. So they have no reason to not think that this is a thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I I highly recommend that show. I loved it. It was yeah, so it's, good. It's really funny. They they were they would have started filming season three by now, but you know, world pandemic. Oh, they're, they're, supposed, they're supposed to come out with their season on Halloween. Next, oh, that's cool. This Halloween? Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's exciting news. Um, anything else? Um, I've been reading. I've been reading the Game of Thrones books. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, I didn't want to because I was very disappointed with the end of the show, but my friend who uh, loaned them to me insisted because you know he said the story is much much better. So, I can. I'm on. I'm on. I'm halfway through a third book so far. Awesome. So far, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Something and you can join the. You can join the party of uh, when the hell's the next book coming out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. After I'm Elden Ring. After I'm Elden just, Ring, right? I'm just hoping that I'm a slow enough reader that by the time I, I finish all the books that are available now. Oh, let's let's hope that he's still alive to finish the book. But you know, we'll see. We'll <laughs> yeah. see. I mean, like, I mean, like money and medicine. You know, fabulous combination. Sure. <laughs> well, for for those who haven't, trust. You know. Well, I guess if um, if oh, it's dear. my turn next. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Josh doesn't want me to go at all. What do you? What, what would you like to <laughs> no, say, Josh? Uh, sorry. The, the game I was the game that I was talking about that's coming out soon that um, I might have my eyes on uh, is uh, Curse of the Dead Gods. It's a roguelike. I sent a. I went ahead and sent a the uh, gameplay trailer to our Discord for you guys to uh, check out. Yeah, I saw that. I'll yeah. check it out later. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's just other roguelike, and all y'all roguelike players out there eh, might have some treat coming to the PlayStation here pretty soon. And for those who don't like roguelikes, go ahead and give Hades a try before you jump in, because it might sway that, over to you the... You might like that more. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. You have to play it on the Switch, though. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to me. Um, Little Nightmares 2 just recently came out. I'm a big fan of those types of games, so I got it on launch. And nice. it took me a few days, but I did beat it. Um, I love Little Nightmares. Um, I, I did think that this one was... a like a, a little bit darker and scarier than the first game, which is um, a plus. I really like that. Um, it actually scared me a few times. There were some places that were very creepy um, and freaked me out. Parts that I didn't want to do. Parts where I screamed because I was scared. Um, I have seen some reviews that have been kind of uh, down mixed. on the game. Yeah. yeah, mixed reviews is a good word. Um, there's some people are saying the game adds nothing to the formula that's new uh, from the first game, but I love how I love the expanded story that this game uh, gives to the what we would now call the Little Nightmare series. Without spoiling anything, it's a really interesting what really interesting what they add to that storyline of that game. Um, I died a lot, um, but that's the point of the game. You get a lot of cheap deaths, and you just have to figure out how to get past it. Um, the graphics are much better than the first game, and I'd say I'd give it about a nine out of ten. I really, really liked it. Cool. Um, the story was brilliant. I loved it, and and it was a great game. Um, moving on, I did get um, a, another game. I got on launch was uh, Super Mario 3D World plus 
Bowser's Fury. Um, I did beat Bowser's Fury. It's not that long of a game, um, but I did enjoy my time with it. Um, it's it's pretty super addictive. Uh, the cool thing about it is that it's kind of like an open world Mario. It's not a huge world, but basically you can go wherever you want and then more parts of the world open up until you can basically go anywhere you want. Um, but Bowser, uh, the main, the main, uh, I guess the little trick of the game is that Bowser is constantly in the middle of the stage. And when he's not around, you just kind of see him rising up out of the ocean. And mm -hmm. once he gets completely up, then he starts attacking you. And it adds um, changes to the environment that you're avoiding his attacks, but he also adds new platforms to places. And there's only there's certain blocks in places that only he can break. So sometimes you do want him there. Most of the time you don't. I kind of I kind of hated how often he showed up because he shows up so quickly after you take him out. You have to get a star or like a cat shine is what they call them. You have to get that or fight him or just wait it out to get rid of him. Um, sometimes it's really annoying because you'll be in the middle of a level almost done with it and then he shows up and it fucks up the whole mm. the whole thing the worst part about it is at the end of the uh, when you're getting close to the end of the game he just doesn't go away so you just have to do the rest of the game with him there constantly and that was probably my least favorite part of the game but overall it was pretty fun um, it was a new mario experience and it wasn't bad um, i don't think i'll do it again <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't say it's the most highly recommended Mario game, but it's fun for how long it is. It's not that long. And then oh. with that being said, we have been playing Super Mario 3D World and co-op, which is really fun. Uh, we never played that when it came out for the Wii U. Okay. Um, it starts off really fun with us playing together, but it, eventually the game does get harder and then it gets harder for us to cooperate together playing it. Um, obviously, no, neither of us have played it, so we're not too used to the gimmicks, and sometimes we'll fuck each other up, as in I fuck up Fabrice's game, especially in this level we did where there's uh, a lot of platforms where you press on each arrow to go a certain direction, yeah. and I'll jump on the wrong one, and then we'll fly off and die together. Um, that's happened a few times, but I do have to say that the, the cat power-up where you can climb walls and be really cute is a really awesome and fun power-up. It's my favorite thing. And then uh, I'll try to get the, through this really quick. I have too many things. Oh, <laughs> He's got a lot going on. That's awesome. We also, um, as far as co-op games go, we, we were playing Struggling also. <gasps> oh, Never heard of that one. It's. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Fabrice. Can you describe what that game is? <laughs> Can I describe it? I don't know. Like we're some scientific mutation that's trying to escape and... <laughs> We're uh, basically we're one being. And we have oh yeah, control. it's that game where you guys like each have half of the controls, and you have to like coordinate together to make the movements make sense and get through it. Yeah, so we're, we're playing as the same lump of flesh, and it has yeah. two arms, and we each control one arm. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I, I know, I, I know what game we're talking about. I think I have a friend I, who's playing that. The struggle you said it was called. Struggling. Struggling. Yeah. struggling. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a very good. That's a very. It's a very creative concept. For sure. We've never played a game like it. Um, we died of laughter. We were laughing so much during that game, but we also died a lot. It's really hard. It's yeah. as much as you die though, there's like plenty of comedy to go along with it. It's it's such a stupid game. Um it I really love... reminded the, the controls really reminded me of Octodad. Uh what platform is it on? We're playing it on the Switch. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Like this game would be a great game for one of my other friends and I to play, but it would have to be on the PlayStation though. Okay. 
don't, it might be. I don't know. We, we I'll, just I'll check. I, I, yeah. I don't think it's a Switch exclusive, is it? I have no yeah. idea. Uh, so but yeah, go ahead and look that up. Co-op. Yeah. I was going to say, it's it's just a really hard game, but we kept going uh-huh. because um, it's it's just really funny. Uh, it's it's funny and fun. We do die a lot, but like it's worth it just to smile and just like have your face hurt. Um, I really hope we go back to it. I think we haven't played it in a while just because it's so hard, but... Um, we played it yesterday, didn't we? A little bit? Did we? I don't think we did. Oh. Yeah, we went back and then we stopped because... It was that part with the rats coming at us really fast. Oh, I think you're right. Let's try it again after the podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I have some things that I'm just going to go over real quick. I just have little bullet points on these. Um, I picked up Iconoclast. Um, I've heard a few things about that game, but I had a video on YouTube recommended to me. It's basically just somebody going through all the bosses and when I saw the game, I didn't know what it was, but it's it, it's like a side-scrolling retro shoot 'em up, and it really intrigued me on how it looked. So I bought it and I started a new game, and I'm liking it so far, but I'm barely anywhere in it to say anything about it. Um, but I, like I said, I've heard that name come up a lot, so I kind of understand the hype about it now. I can't wait to play more. Um, I got the new version of Control, the complete edition that came out for PlayStation Plus. Oh, I just wore this. How is it? Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, I haven't encountered a single slowdown or anything yet. It performs great, and the graphics are much improved. It has ray tracing now, so um, mm. it's worth going through again. I guess you you just have to choose between if you want like a faster frame rate or better graphics. Right. For me, it's always going to be better graphics, but it looks great. Um, I've already beat the game before, so I kind of know what to expect, but I do want to go through it with this improved performance. I just uh, kind of wanted to jump in and see what it looked like, and it looks great. Um, the only other thing is Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive. I just wanted to say I'm just at that point where I'm grinding because I'm at a story battle that keeps killing me. It's like maybe three levels above where I'm at. So I'm losing interest slowly just because I'm grinding, but I want to keep going at it. So just every once in a while, I'm still trying to level up. I think it's one of those things, though, where like when you actually beat the boss, that's when the high returns and then you just start getting into it again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, yeah, that's, how it, that, that, that's how it is with grinding games because like when you when you like stagnate is when it starts to get really boring you know because like dark souls esque games are like that but when you like, right. kind of get over that hump it's suddenly like exhilarating again because there's all this other stuff that you have to do we're at a really cool point in the story too so i just need to get past this boss and then i can just continue with the journey and um you know, figure out what the story is going next. But, like, that's probably the only reason that I'm still going at it. I just really like the game. Right. I'm just stuck right now. Okay. I think, I, honestly, Frankie, you know, I mean, I don't think I'm as big a fan personally because the, the fighting system, like I said, is not necessarily to my liking. And I know Josh agrees. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think you really, really enjoy um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's like yeah. a, it's, it's, it's a very worthy successor to that to the first one no for real i i do want to play that game for sure the graphics look definitely improved everything looks improved but i can't play it until i'm done with this one and and since i'm still enjoying it i I can't do that to myself i think it's just the rough the rough part of it it's like playing like the final fantasy 12 where it's like derivative games It's, it's just like it has so much there is so so much to do in xenoblade chronicles so like you know, the 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 next game is 
arguably going to be bigger than the one you're playing now. Yeah, especially since there's DLC with that one too. Yeah, but, but it's it's a very smooth running game. I mean, like um, compared to your experience now, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Okay, I'm pretty sure I will. I'm enjoying this one, even though you guys don't. Which I have to hear every time oh, I bring it up, but it's not. I know. Fault. I was like, I, I wasn't gonna say anything. I was like, you guys, are, y'all already know my opinion on the game. Oh, like, Frankie, it's, it's so it's great that great... you're enjoying the game, but man, that. that <laughs> it's a great <laughs> system. But it is a great. This, this, for just, me, it's, it's where the story is because I'm a, just I love. Well, spoil no spoiler here. I love. Uh, God dang it, Xeno Gears, Xeno Gears. Yeah. That's what spawned this. We're, that's what spawned this whole thing for the Xeno Saga. We're four different people. We're not all gonna love and hate the same things um it's fine i think the only reason we keep talking about this is because i'm still playing it it's a long game no worries I'm just well, I just, I updates, just, but... yeah I, I just wanted to use that as a springboard point to just talk about the sequel because you know it's, it's more relevant since they just added the characters to smash but For you know, it's, it's just like um you know outside of my personal reservations with that game i think that the sequel is like a well-made um, successor to the first like it brings in a lot of the stuff that, that was good and improves upon it and it looks a lot better. So, no, for yeah. sure. I, I've, I I know the game. I've definitely watched reviews about it in videos. I definitely want to play it, but I, like I said, I'm not going to boot that up till I'm done with this game. It's no, yeah, it's definitely. Fine. I understand that, but you know, I think that's where like the, you know, the exhilaration is going to come back once you get over that boss you're stuck on. Did somebody just have a UFO fly over them? What was that noise? That was Did a truck else? in the street. You didn't hear oh, that the UFO across the street. Yeah, that one. Okay. Okay, that sounded scary. I hate UFOs. They fucking freak me out. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about was actually a shout out to Fabrice because I wanted to talk about posters for a second. This will be real quick. But Fabrice gave me, I believe, it was just a random gift, but it, he gave me a Final Fantasy Tactics poster. Um, it's really big and it's in a frame and that's it's awesome. one of those gifts that's one of those things that you didn't know you needed until you had it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It gives me life every time I see it. It's like my new favorite thing. I love it so much. And again, Fabrice, I've thanked you, but I thank you again. It, it, it makes me so happy um, just to see one of my favorite games on my wall. It looks so fancy and this makes me happy. But the reason I bring that up is because we're working on kind of being more adult with our lives and only having framed pieces or canvases decorate our home. Uh, it makes me feel more adult to have our place look like this as opposed to posters pinned on the wall like we were in the dorm room. <laughs> but um, Fair enough. yeah, the other day I got myself a Mega Man Legends poster and an Octopath Traveler poster that I put in some frames. Um, cool. There, It's next to this art piece we got at Pride one year that uh, someone drew a drawing of Mega Man. Um, it just makes me really happy to have posters of video games because most people will have like abstract paintings in their house or maybe like a landscape of outside. And then right. you walk into our apartment and it's just like framed pieces of video games. But that's who we are. I it's, it's, a form of art. it's a form of art. Mm-hmm. I, I, I also think landscapes on the outside is like the most boring shit you can put up in your house because it just kind of makes your house feel like an office. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Like I think we even have good nature pieces, but it's just like that's like the I don't know, just this is the vibe that it gives me. Like, okay, I'm in a waiting room for some office. You know, like, okay. looking around like he's looking at his post- look at all my all my gaming paraphernalia, <laughs> and I'm like, hell, I even have like in the corner, I have a 
my favorite Dave Matthews band on vinyl, just chilling, still wrapped up in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> so like, huh, uh, all my Funko Pop figurines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's just about expressing yourself in the place um, you live, like just being happy about what you see. But Febreze has really been uh, making an improvement to our lives yeah, by having us like so just cool. put them in frames and you know just feel a little bit more adult about our hobby that we grew up with. So yeah, that's a, just something I wanted to bring up. Um, thanks again, Febreze, for that poster. I love it. I love you. <laughs> and I love you, everyone here. I love our coven of witches. With that being said, that was everything I wanted to update everybody on. Um, we cool. finished the first season of Bridgerton, but I don't really feel like talking about that. <laughs> Damn, dude. You've consumed so much media in the last two weeks. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's <is>, crazy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> Oddly enough, it feels like I don't even have enough time to do everything. But when I bring it up, it's like, Jesus, this long list of things. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, with that so being many, So many ahead. things, not enough time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. With that being said, I think we've given everybody a proper update on our lives um, and some recommendations of things to watch and play. Uh, I think we're going to take this moment to take a little bit of a break before we get into the meat and potatoes of our episode. You guys all good on that? Yep. All right, witches. We'll be right back. Gagatrondra again. Welcome back to the Cauldron of Gaming. I'm your host, Frankie, back again with Josh, Fasil, and Fabrice. Paint's still drying. I'm glad you're having a grand old time. This week, we decided to talk about the differences between the big three console companies, at least. We've got Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft, who have been competing with each other for quite a few years now. And they're pretty much the main companies that we talk about aside from PC, which is an outlier that we will discuss another day, I'm assuming. But um, let's see, before we talk about what makes uh, each big gaming corporation unique from each other, I thought it'd be relevant to cover where they all started. Um, feel free to jump in whenever you want, dudes, because it's going to mm. be, I put... I'll, I'll do my best to fill in the gaps, so yeah. I truncated these the uh, most I could, so I'm just going to yeah. try to rush through them. But we're going to start with the origins of each of these companies, and then we're just going to go from there. Sound good, everybody? Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to start with Nintendo, the oldest company. Oh, fair. Uh, Nintendo had plenty of success in the arcade scene in the 80s. Uh, they decided to make plans for a video game system for homes named the Family Computer or the Famicom. Famicom, yeah. Yep. Plans originally called for an advanced 16-bit system with a keyboard and floppy disk drive. But Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamauchi hated that idea. He pushed for cartridges to be uh, less intimidating for non-technophiles. So that's kind of where the cartridge idea started from. Yeah, the big gray uh, box. Yeah. The Famicom released on July 15th, 1983. It released with Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and Popeye. Uh, the system was recalled due to a bad chipset, but after a reissue with a new motherboard, it became the best-selling game console in Japan by the end of 1984. Um, 
that might have been a big deal. I didn't do too much research on what the other game consoles are, but I'm assuming Atari was there too. Yeah, it was. Although only first-party games were released with the system, Namco and Hudson Soft approached Nintendo and agreed to a 30% fee for console licensing and production cost for third-party games. Now, this is a tradition that would continue for decades ongoing. This is the origin of uh, how third-party gaming started. Around 1987, uh, several evolutions of the systems resulted in the North American release of the Nintendo Entertainment System, originally retailing for $179.99, which sounds nice, but with inflation calculated for today's money, uh, do you think you all could guess how much that would be worth today? Now, this is 1987. Again, right. it's 180 bucks. I'm going like to guess. It, it's something north of 800. I think something like that. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. What about you, Fabrice? What do you think that would be uh, in today's money? Yeah, sure. 800. 800? Okay. Well, inflation isn't that bad. It <laughs> today, it would have been $424.59. Okay. Yeah. We're not economists, but yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We just know that the world is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's where Nintendo came from. Um, mm. Obviously, since then, we've had plenty more iterations, but this is where Sony and the PlayStation came from. Now, Ken Kutaragi, who was a Sony executive, uh, he managed one of the company's hardware engineering divisions. Uh, he came up with the idea for the console. Nice. He was interested in entering the gaming market upon his daughter's interest in video games herself when she was playing the Nintendo Famicom. Mm. So Development began as a CD-ROM expansion for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in the early 1990s. Game production was designed to be streamlined and inclusive, encouraging more third-party developers to make games for the console. Uh, Kudaragi, Kudaragi worked behind his boss's backs with Nintendo by providing sound chip technology, uh, but he was found out. However, they actually saw the potential and let the work keep going. So Sony looked to enter the gaming market with the CD-ROM attachment to the Super Nintendo, but also would see the majority of the profits from these games that would be released on that system. Now, the N Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamauchi deemed these contracts unacceptable, and he actually canceled all contracts related to, to Sony. Despite the then-dubbed PlayStation to be... Okay, let me start that over. <laughs> So Yamauchi decided that these contracts were unacceptable and canceled all of them. Um, that was despite PlayStation to be revealed at the 1991 Las Vegas Consumer Electronics Show that year. Um, instead, what ended up happening at that CES at 9 a.m., uh, Howard Lincoln, um, he was going to announce the partnership with Sony and Nintendo. Instead, he announced a partnership with Philips, denouncing all the work Sony had done with Nintendo. Sony was pretty pissed off about this, so they decided to develop the console for themselves, and through um, a lot of research that I'm not including in this, um, basically internal acquisitions of developers, a ton of hard work, PlayStation came to fruition, and the PlayStation launched in, mm -hmm. <laughs> the PlayStation launched in Japan on December 3rd, 1994, at the price of 39,800 yen, which would be about $376.31. I'm going to play another <laughs> game with you guys. Can you decide what that would be in today's money based on inflation? Uh, around 700 to 800, between 700 and $800. Okay. Facile, Fabrice? I'll say 900. 
But you can get a PlayStation for about sixty dollars. Was this nineteen nineteen eighties or nineteen nineties? Nineteen ninety four. Ninety four. The price is three hundred seventy six dollars and thirty one cents. Say between six and seven hundred dollars. Okay, you're the closest. Today that would be six hundred seventy two dollars. Damn. But y'all, if you really want a PlayStation, like an original gray box console, you can get it for probably around forty to sixty dollars secondhand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, oh, actually, what's what's funny? It's funny that you bring that up because uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, a while ago, like Sony made this really brief announcement about this line of limited edition um, black PS2 modeled PS5, and. The, all the I guess family were, were going to sell out in an instant as well. But not only would those like sell out, but there's only the number they initially made and nothing more. So the black PS5 is probably going to end up being some sort of collector's edition item before anyone has even gotten a chance to buy it. At this point, the PlayStation 5 itself is a collector's edition. Yeah, this, yeah right. right, right. <laughs> and we got there's con- no, it was segue, but there's controversy about custom plates right now, too. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but I want a custom plate. Oh, quick, quick side tension. I don't know if you guys saw, but you know, the lawsuit against Mm -hmm. Sony for the for the controller drift issues continue. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and more like internal reviews of the system shows that like the consoles basically have a lifespan of about four hundred and seventeen hours total. I what's when I heard about that, I was thinking about Josh because. One of the complaints in the lawsuit is that they're not giving consumers a good way to get it fixed. Right. And I thought about Josh, who was just like, well, I just went and bought another controller because what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, initially, when I had the problem, there was not, they had nothing in place for, right. the, for the controller, for the controller. So when it happened to me, no one had a way to talk to approach Sony without actually having to call them. But I didn't well, trying to call them. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the things that around that specific thing are actually looking like they might be changing, like at least in the EU. They're like cracking down on that stuff and trying to, you know, have right to repair laws back in place so that if these things break, you can take it to like a third party person to get it fixed instead of having to just buy a new controller because, um, you know, the propriety, mm-hmm. like like some sort of propriety doesn't allow for My joystick, even this left joystick starting to come a little loose than I like prefer. So I might be replacing it with another controller here. I think yeah. mm, not too far from now. Well, I want yeah. to move on because we're still talking about our main topic here. But one last thing is, did you keep your controller that had the drift issue? Like, mm-hmm. Okay, so when I, they do um, fix this, you could get your controller fixed. Yeah, once once they Probably. put something in place that's actually fair to, to get it fixed, I'm going to send it, I'll send it to Sony so they can fix it. For real. Yeah. Nintendo's been coming under a lot of fire and still is for this same issue. But uh, the Chronicles continue. Yeah. We'll be covering it on future episodes once we have new developments. Um, yes. Sorry, I didn't bring it up. But uh, moving on, that was PlayStation's history. And uh, the final of the three... Uh, to cover the origins of these at least was the the origins of the Microsoft Xbox, mm. which this is probably the one I knew the least about. So this was kind of interesting to me. The PlayStation 2 was officially announced by Sony to the public on March 2nd of 1999. Microsoft CEO Bill Gates immediately saw a threat from the announcement. He was thinking the console would steal business away from their line of PCs and divert interest away sure. from his own systems. Yeah. So Microsoft immediately got to work on their own gaming console. Uh, Gates first mentioned this console in late 1999 during an interview saying he wanted the console to attract the best and most creative developers in the world. 
this is the time before the console came out that the company was making uh, many talks with developers about coming onto the Microsoft brand. So Bungie was acquired in June of 2000, um, shortly after the announcement of Halo Combat Evolved came from that. Uh, the Microsoft Xbox was revealed on January 3rd, 2020. That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> it was revealed at some January 3rd by Dwayne The Rock Johnson at the last at the Las Vegas Consumer Electronics Show. And then the system launched November 15th, 2001, three days before the launch of the Nintendo GameCube. It is the most 2000s way to release a console right? that is possible <laughs> at Las Vegas by The Rock. Oh, I was so pleasantly surprised. Like when the, when the Xbox came out, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of interesting that the PlayStation was born by a disagreement with Nintendo and then so the awesome. Xbox was born from a threat from PlayStation. Yep. I love it. Yeah. So they all kind of birthed <laughs> each other and now these yep. are the three big companies we have. Mm -hmm. uh, I just kind of wanted it to be an open table and just get started from there. Now that we know where the three companies came from, mm -hmm. um, these companies are now at a different place and we're here to discuss the differences about them. Do we want to start with talking about Nintendo or do we want to compare all three as we go along? I think we should talk about Nintendo because they do have something that puts them completely apart from Microsoft and from Sony as well. Really, I, I'm going to say the biggest thing I would say is that they don't care about the technology. Well, they do care, I'm sure. What goes the technology goes into their console, but they it's care not about a different kind of technology. Exactly. They, they, they. I would say when it comes to accessibility, Nintendo is probably one of the best. Is probably one of the best. And what I mean by accessibility is not by uh, technology for people with disabilities. I'm talking about uh, just accessibility in your ability to be able to play games that everybody can play. Yeah, and you know, I guess it's like. To, to the to your guys' point, like Nintendo isn't uh, obsessed with the graphics arm race. Like whenever they they're like they're always like the third option. They're not trying to like give you like the best, you know, uh, full FPS rendered graphics that you know the current systems can run. So much as they're just trying to make something like you know different, creative, and easy on the eyes in a different kind of way. Because like you know, like Breath of the Wild is gorgeous, but it's not like gorgeous in the same way that like Control is. Well, I would say like, uh, of course, the the Nintendo hasn't ever. I can't really think of a system that was kind of above all the rest as a um, as compared to the Xbox and the PlayStation. But they're the company that takes the most chances and risks yeah. with their consoles, and kind of seems to be successful at it every time. Yeah, so well, not every time. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget, don't forget the Wii U. So yeah. yeah but you know, yeah. but like, look, they they just, you know, leave it to Nintendo to take their, I guess, arguably one and only failure and make their arguably best system out right. of it. You mm -hmm. know. I jumping forward into the future, back into the present, as far as where Nintendo came from and where they are now. The Switch is the coolest idea for a console, in my opinion. I yeah, love my Switch, yeah. and I never yeah. thought this would be possible, that you could have, like, like a home console that could just be taken with you and on the go. Yeah, and it's like, um, and the fact that it's, like, both powerful enough to do that, but built well enough that it can, like, you know, sustain that kind of output without overheating or having other problems is, like, you know, it's impressive to mm. put, put something into that, something that small. But, like, Nintendo, they... I think like 
they just it really was like the failure of the Wii U that helped them because when they went from like the the Wii to the Wii U, it just kind of felt like they had like a level of like creative stagnation. And you know, the, oh, and how, oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Hell, even if you look at the Wii U, the Wii U was like uh, a better version of the Wii, right? And then you have the gamepad that came with the Wii U. It, it was, no, it really, argue, I'm going to say arguably it, it is, even though it does lack one feature that the Wii U had, or the Wii had, which is four controller points. Anyway, or ports. <laughs> anyway, um, the gamepad, that big ass gamepad you got that comes with the standard console for the Wii U. Yeah. I, to me, that's like the prototype. Like, to me, that's like the, the prototype of what the Switch is. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I just think that, you know, initially, when they made the Wii U, they were just kind of capitalizing on the tablet craze that was really going on at that time. And, you know, when that, that did, when that didn't work, because, you know, like, it's, it's just kind of like pandery. They ended up like making something really creative instead. I, you know, they, they just, uh, they took a risk instead of like trying to go with the trend. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciated that. One of the main faults of the Wii U was actually just the name of it because a lot of people got confused and thought it was just a tablet um, expansion to the Wii. Right. It was actually a whole new console, and I think that's what people were confused about. A lot. I love my Wii U. I don't care if no one likes it. I love my Wii U. (laughs) Well, to be you know, to be honest, I think it's also a departure from Nintendo's typical themes with how they name their consoles because usually. They're, the, they're usually the only ones whose names for their consoles make complete sense. Nintendo 64, first 64-bit kind of game console. Uh, GameCube, you know, self-evident. Look at it. All right. And, and, like, the Switch. Oh, yeah, look, it can switch. It can be this. It can be that. Right. But, like, the, the yeah, Wii U. Well, even, like, talking know. about the Wii, um, when you just look at the name, it's two eyes. Yeah. Which are meant to represent the Joy-Cons. Yeah. Right. Wii. right. And I don't know if this is true or not, but to me, the Wii U is just the Wii Ultimate version. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, the, even though it is a more powerful console than the Wii. He's got it, beeped out. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did I get beeped out? That's what I heard. Sorry. sorry. Even, though, even though it was like, a, it's a more powerful console than the Wii, I just don't think that it didn't really bring anything new to the table. It didn't have any new features. True. You know? Like yeah. it had the tablet, but the tablet itself is just a fancy controller. It, they it was didn't HD really like, also, I guess. But, but they never mm-hmm. utilized it, you know? Like they, they didn't really like utilize it properly in a lot of the games that they okay. that they brought out for it. So, you know, it just, it didn't seem like, it just seemed like, and it was 400 bucks. It was the yeah. same price as like a PS4 or uh, or an Xbox at that time. And that's like one of the big incentives that Nintendo's always offered is not only do they have accessible games, but their games tend to be cheaper. I think this is worth bringing up since we're talking about Nintendo now. What makes them different from the other uh, two companies is that they thrive the most with first-party games. They're the ones that get the least amount of third-party support, but like are thriving with their first-party games. To add to that, if you think about it, so if you look at the games, look at the games, see how long they've been out, and you look at how much they, if you want to buy one brand new, how much it costs you to buy it brand new, they typically don't lose value. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, it's just Nintendo has just like such a sprawling internal development, internal research and development uh, sector. Like they they have all of these different studios that, you know, they they're all their own individual little islands, but they just like work like clockwork. Mm-hmm. They just work. They're really well balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how, what their organizational structure is up in there, but it, it works for them. These games are dope. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
you know, so I'm not going to lie. Like I, I played, I had a Nintendo, an original Nintendo, but I was actually a Sega kid. I had mm-hmm. the Genesis, the 32X, the Sega, yeah. CD. Sega CD, I had a Game yeah. Gear. Um, I didn't really game. like stick with Nintendo. And I think I missed out pretty much on all of the systems until the Wii came out. And that's because everybody had a Wii. Like if you didn't have a Wii, what were you doing? <laughs> so playing on your xbox 360 yeah yep um but <laughs> i don't three. i don't feel like <laughs> i really dove back into the nintendo pools until a switch came out because it's mm-hmm. such an intriguing concept for a system i'm still obsessed with that concept but the games are great the whole Thank concept's you. great it's like this this is why the system is still selling like crazy because they're doing such a good job well actually that's why i think like in terms of nintendo overall like outside of just the, of the switch which is their like main console like a lot of the like success that Nintendo saw with their previous generations were actually, you know, they were the only ones that not only had their main console, like the N64, the GameCube, but they concurrently had their mobile consoles, which was the, the Game Boys or the DSs. Yeah, they were, they're they're the yeah. undisputable kings <laughs> yeah. of handheld. handheld. Yeah. It's like and, nobody and else not, can compete. Nobody, even, even like when uh, Sony uh, attempted that, you know, and again, I thought the PSP and the PS Vita were both really well made. They're machines. good systems. They're good systems. Yeah. But it's like it's just like N- Nintendo was just so established because the thing about like the the Game Boy or the DS, it's not like necessarily the just the features of the console, which is secondary at best. It's just the vast library of games. There's so so many good games to play on almost any Nintendo system that you pick. You yeah. can just pick a system and then you automatically have at least 10, 10 great games right off the bat that you can play. Mm-hmm. It's just a not you know the not a lot of the, the other two can't immediately say the same thing when they come out with their systems. Mm-hmm. That, but also um, Nintendo is kind of hit or miss with backwards compatibility. That's so true. The Wii U was able to play. Wii games. I'm not sure if they could play GameCube games. Yep, GameCube. Wii, yep. Okay. Yep. Well, the Wii, Wii, the Wii was too, actually but... the Wii was actually pretty good about backwards compatibility because you could pay basically any GameCube game, and not only could you play GameCube games, the discs were different sizes, so right. they really had to go out of their way to build that in. So, but here's the thing that the Wii U had the eShop, which was like kind of the last place to get the games that you couldn't play on it, such as like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, a lot of obscure games, which is completely abandoned by the Switch for unknown reasons. Uh, There's a lot of games you could buy on the Wii U and play that you just can't on the Switch. You just, that's a different store now. I think, I mean, if I had to guess, and this is just purely speculation on my part, I think they just plan to expand that game library they offer. Like right now it's like Super Nintendo, and, and Nintendo that you can you know play the guy the the video game ROM library of. It's a but, curated list though. It's... Well, even the, even then, I f- I feel like you know the way subscription services are going, I could see Nintendo just raising their monthly subscription price, which is now the cheapest out of all of them at, at like four bucks. And in ex- and when they raise it, they're going to say, well, it's more expensive at like seven ninety nine or whatever they decide to make it, but we're going to include. We're going to keep updating these libraries. Like now we have N64 in here and GameCube. You know, eventually we might have Wii games. But like I say, the disappointment still is that the backwards compatibility is just on the games they pick for you. When I had the Wii U, I bought some Wii Motes and I was able to go back and play Sonic Colors again. Um, Just because I bought it on there, I was able to play Super Mario Galaxy for the first time. Um, Those are games you can't uh, buy through an eShop on... um, 
right. on the Switch, uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2 would be a better example because they just re-released Super Mario Galaxy for the Switch. But again, that's a, a full price game that you have to buy. Well, um, honestly, I mean, for most of the console war generations, I really think like Microsoft has been the kings of uh, backwards compatibility. Well, let's get to Microsoft then. They, okay. they really have been, I agree with you, Sony used to be really good at backwards compatibility, but Microsoft is clearly doing better at that than anybody well, I else. Mean, I mean, honestly, as much as I am a Sony fan, I, I they, they abandoned that, that a lot of that backwards compatibility pretty early on uh, because like the, the 80 gigabyte, PS3, which which was in one of the which was the older version and fatter and the most expensive version of the PS3 that you can get for some reason, it was the only one that was fully backwards compatible, um, and they phased that out with each iteration of the, right. of the PS3 that they brought out, and they did. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it was for some reason because Mark Cerny did um, a showcase of the PlayStation Five. I don't know if any of you watched that, but it was basically just the tech of the PlayStation 5. It was really boring, but he was talking about backwards compatibility and he said it's just expensive to get the chips for each individual console for backwards compatibility inside the consoles themselves, which is why that version of the PlayStation 3 was the most expensive Mm. and why they don't do it anymore, apparently. Right. Uh, From my standpoint, from being having a full library of PlayStation games, I literally... You know, if I want to play PlayStation 2 games, I have to play it on a PlayStation 2. But if I want to play mm-hmm. PlayStation 1 games, I can play it on my PS3. <laughs> yeah, it's, and this is weird, you know? Yeah. But I mean, like, but, but I think, you know, that's that's where, like, you know, Microsoft has an advantage because either they just have more adaptive technology or they just ate the cost. Because Hard they to can. say. You know, well, I mean, I, I would actually say the latter would be mm-hmm. a good bet because realistically, like, just as a company that is in its size and in the amount of money it's worth and it makes like microsoft dwarfs both sony and nintendo it is a enormous company right so, you, you, know, like, you have to look nowhere else then to see that they bought um zen i don't know the company the company of Zenimax. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah the company that owns bethesda they spent a ton of money on that eight or nine billion yeah mm. that's, and they were like that's... don't worry about us uh when people were like how are you going to make that money back? Are you going to keep they playing the games back, on PlayStation yeah. and all that? And yeah. they're like, don't worry about it. Like, it's yeah. fine. Like, we're good. We, you don't, you don't yeah, know what good. kind of money we got. Like, right. Because listen, they, they like Bill Gates made $10 billion this year. Just this year, $10 billion. That's like the GDP of a lot of small countries. Of a lot Jeff of Bezos countries. makes hundreds of thousands of dollars every hour. Yeah, Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos made the most at $25 billion. And then, like under him is like fucking Elon Musk with eighteen billion, and then fucking Mark Zuckerberg with like you know twelve billion. It's just people; these people making these amounts of money that functionally don't exist. Just lets them do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> as far as like going onto that topic, uh, Microsoft obviously has its foot in more than just consoles that's yeah they they can make a bunch of money in other places but i i thought i heard that sony they basically their video game market is the one that's most thriving as opposed to like their tv market and their other electronics do you think well, yeah, that's be- true 
Oh, no, well, when I think good. of Sony, I don't think of their TVs, which I've always been a long fan of buying their TVs. Uh, but so when I think of Sony, I my mind my mind goes automatically to the PlayStation. Actually, I mean, like one thing that Sony actually does thrive on. I mean, like Josh is right. Like the the video game is like because video games are the biggest thing right now, and they're one of the. I I, I, I hesitate to say this, but I guess in general, if we're just isolating it to Microsoft and Sony, they've been head of the ahead of a Microsoft for a little while. And, you know, they, it, it makes sense that that's where they make a lot of their money. But I, I think a, a huge portion of Sony's money actually comes from headphones. Like, you mm. know, Sony, Sony makes like really, really popular headphones that, you okay. know, they, they, they're up there competing with like Bose and whatnot. But we are talking about Microsoft right now. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like, <laughs> no, I'm just saying like that's a, their TVs are like TVs actually aren't as popular as you think. Is what I'm saying. Wow. Like, like the like a smaller electronics and video games is where I, they, I think they make a lot of their money. Well, I recently went to a Samsung. So uh, Samsung, you better do good because I've always been a Sony TV person and I never had a Sony TV crap on me before. So, yeah. Well, if we can talk Same. about Microsoft, <laughs> Microsoft, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I said, they um, uh, what was it that um, let's see, Gates wanted the Xbox to attract the best and most creative developers in the world. Do you guys feel like that message was lost along the way? <laughs> yeah. Cause... I actually I actually don't think so for the first Xbox. The first Xbox Definitely not some, for the first one. No. You know, the first Xbox had some really out there games that, you know, um, I don't even see it like I've seen on the other consoles. Granted, a bunch of those, you know, titles have not had their day since then but you know i mean bioware made their start on the original xbox mm-hmm. yeah. they put out a lot of good games on there you've got your your jade empire uh kotor uh, they just made their start there and they became like a massive where they are now but they became, like they became from that era well, this one is like i think more niche but i i also think that uh you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but Civilization, it got its console start on the Xbox. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. Because, okay. yeah, because, because, I don't, because it came out on like PS, like PlayStation, mm-hmm. well after it came out on Xbox. And then it only came out for, for Nintendo recently on the Switch. I would actually say to like, to maybe add is that I think honestly, it wasn't until the Xbox One that Microsoft kind of lost its way when it came to exclusives. Yeah, so, but, yeah. But, but but I think a part of that is because Microsoft, you know, they had, for, for being people who just came out with their very first system, I mean, I don't think the Xbox was as impressive as the GameCube or the PS2, hmm. but, but it didn't have to be because the PS2 and the GameCube were like the second and third or, or second and like fourth systems for like Sony mm-hmm. and and Nintendo. They kind of got a chance to work out their kinks. The but thing is like, that the GameCube though, I don't think it was a critical success like their other systems no, were. No, it wasn't. Oh no, it wasn't. But you know, they, they were fine because they still had their, their DS. Because their Nintendo, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Nintendo DS was selling out like crazy. Mm. Uh, but but like the Xbox, it just again for just the first system that was just essentially a beta test before the next ones had come out, it did really well. And then when the 360 came out, that's it just such an awesome system. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah. like uh, in terms yeah. of like how how well it did, the only mm-hmm. like comparable thing up up until that point was the PS2. So mm-hmm. it was insane that the that they were doing that well, and I think they just kind of got complacent and like. 
the enormous built-in audience that they formed during the Xbox 360 era. And they thought, okay, so we have the gaming, this gaming uh, core community locked. So now we want to like reach a more general audience by making this like an all-purpose media system, sort of like, you know, you can yeah, games here. Yeah. That's kind of what screwed them over at that E3 when uh, PlayStation yeah. 4 and Xbox One were announced, I believe. And the unpopular DRM. policies, yeah. like not being able to share games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think uh, basically when PlayStation 2 came out and then when the Xbox came out, that's when console wars really started to become a thing. Yeah, I think Because so. it was like either you were on Team Microsoft or Team Sony. Um people just kind of had a split there and that's where it began and it's kind of still going mm-hmm. uh, actually from a personal standpoint i originally i you know i went from sega to sony to, to the playstation mm-hmm. and then i yeah. went from and then i went from the playstation i got a ps2 i didn't i mean to this day to this day don't you know i know you guys are different but i don't like the ps2 and so i microsoft, microsoft won me over with the xbox i loved the xbox and then i stayed with xbox until xbox one came out I did get a PS3, but didn't stick with me either. It was the Xboxes that stuck with me um, until the PS4 came out. What was it about the Xbox that won you over the PlayStation 2? Uh, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, <laughs> basically RPG. Uh, I forgot like, about R- Dragon Age, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you really want to play, when it comes to RPGs, um, Xbox One and Xbox, or sorry, Xbox, sorry, PlayStation 1, the first, the original PS1, PlayStation um, and the PlayStation 3 are the superior consoles for RPGs. Um, but I felt like Xbox had, when 360 came out, had really strong Western RPGs to play. Fair, yeah. There wasn't a lot of that on, on PlayStation. Well, uh, we haven't heard oh, much from Fabrice, but <laughs> since we're getting to that era, like with yeah. the Xbox versus PlayStation 2, I had an Xbox, but I was definitely a sucker for my PlayStation 2. I had a ton of games on that. Reese, what did you used to play on the PlayStation 2? What what kind of drew you to that system? Uh, well, originally I was supposed to get an Xbox, but my parents came home with a PS2. So, I don't know, sold me on that with Grand Theft Auto 3 and then Silent Hill 2. And just, it was more games that I've played on the original PlayStation. Uh, that kind of just kept me going with sony from there on out mm. just like nostalgic feel and it's they just first like gave us good content so i really enjoyed that but i also know that they kind of put people in boxes and we all yeah. kind of just had to like compete with each other back right. in the day so i was just really devoted to sony at that point mm. and now that i'm older i'm just now i'm more open to give xbox a chance i really want to get an xbox series x and mm-hmm you know dabble and see what they can give me and because i love like i'm a huge fan of nintendo so i just want to be a part of everything at this point but back in the day they kind of just yeah they herded everybody into these little boxes and we all went into it and stuck with it so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah and i think um people kind of just stuck with what they um for the most part, people kind of just stuck with where they started. I remember some of my friends, like when the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 were coming out, it was people were like, well, all my friends are on this system, so I'm just going to continue with that one. Yeah. Uh, but I think the big turn was PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. 
because that's where people a lot of xbox gamers i think made the switch (laughs) pun intended but they made uh they jumped over to the playstation just because um xbox uh one just kind of lost a lot of people with what they were trying to do with their system at the time and even though they they went back on their word and changed up the things that people didn't like i think the damage had already been done at that point yeah i mean they still stuck i mean i still think that when it comes to all the console designs xbox is the better of all of them um because i like that box i like the box shape honestly because it reminds me of a pc yeah that's actually like I think why I I, I I like lean more towards the PlayStation side because I, I prefer the curves. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean the the PlayStation Five has some awesome curves. I mean, holy cow! Imagine imagine PlayStation Five as the uh, the witch or the whatever the witch or the vampire from Resident um, Resident Evil Eight. Yeah, you know I'm okay with it. I, I mean, I, I, I like them thick. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I guess uh, if we're if we're giving our preferences, I the PlayStation One. The original PlayStation uh, changed my life as far as gaming went. Like I was obsessed with Sega Genesis and all my games on there, but PlayStation One blew me away. So of course I stuck with stuck with Sony through the two, three, four, and five. Now um, the two specifically I loved because, like Fabrice said, it, it just like continued the series that I loved yeah. from okay. from the first generation, and um, it just like those remained console exclusives for the PlayStation 2. That was still when there was a big separation. Like the games uh, weren't cross mm. uh, platform at that time. They just weren't. You had to go to one platform or the other for the games you wanted to play. Yeah. So of course there's a lot of, um, even though I had an Xbox, I just didn't really invest in it. So I didn't get a, a lot of those experiences like Fable or uh, Halo. <laughs> I, I played Halo 1 and 2, but I just never yeah. continued with it just because I never yeah. continued with Microsoft. Uh, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 is when it kind of got a little bit more of the waters mixing together and you started seeing games coming out for both consoles and we were just all kind of yeah, uh, know, able the, to talk a little bit more to each other. <laughs> well, I mean, games are, yeah, games are a lot more segregated in the initial console generations. Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, I did like the, the PS1, but the PS1 wasn't actually quite enough to, like, really keep me, like, dedicated to Sony. It was, like, you know... The first game that really like got me on the PS2 was like oh, Metal Gear Solid 3. Mm-hmm. And you know, then um, you know, Final Fantasy X and then Kingdom Hearts and Devil May Cry. Like I think this like um if you like really like I think at that time I was really more just kind of attracted to to eat kind of like Eastern styled titles. And that was like more dominant on like the on, on PS2 versus like, you know, like Josh was saying, we're like more Western type RPGs right. were, were dominant on, on the, on the Xbox. But you know, when, when then, then when you get to, to PS4 though, um, then you had Love things God like, spread, yeah, yeah, Witcher, yeah, yeah. Like you have like, stuff, yeah. yeah, like you have like Witcher and then you also have like things like Dark Souls, which like kind of, you know, um, mix the the Western stylings with like you know some of the Eastern, Eastern. game game design sensibilities. I think so, that's yeah. a, a really important distinction to make because when when we first started gaming back in Nintendo Genesis days, um, even moving into Nintendo sixty four PlayStation original PlayStation days, a lot of gaming was coming from Japan and the East. Yeah. Uh, whereas when PlayStation two came, the uh, and and the GameCube. There were still a lot of games coming from the East, 
whereas Microsoft was starting to highlight more Western developers. And I think that was the big distinction at the time is that we were still getting these continued series on PlayStation and Nintendo. Microsoft was bringing new developers up to the plate. And then we move on to the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, again, saying this is when everything started to mix up because I think Western developers were starting to show that they could make great games too. Make mm-hmm. really amazing experiences, and then uh, PlayStation probably just wanted to share in that too. Love started getting spread. We all get to play those games, and now we're at the point where games just come out from across the globe for all of us. Japan yeah, used yeah. to be a heavy hitter, and now they're just like a country where games come from. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they still are heavy heavy hitters, but I think it's like what kind of distinguishes that relationship is, you know, the the by by the time we get to the PS4. Air, PS4, Xbox One era is when, like, you know, they st- both like Eastern and Western game designers started to use each, use each other as serious influences for games and try to, you know, basically get out of their comfort zone in the kind of games they did they design. Uh, like a good example of that being like Ghost of Tsushima for you know uh, West to East and like you know Dark Souls and Bloodborne being a good indicator for like East to West. You know, mm-hmm. like they they like kind of incorporate a lot of element heavy heavy elements from the other style while still trying to like maintain some of the core identities of their game design philosophies. And it's interesting to see that the games that have been coming out for the PlayStation and the Xbox over these past years has evolved to the point where it feels like we've grown up as the games have grown up with us. But Nintendo is kind of a place where nostalgia has just lived forever and keeps going you you pick up that new uh mario bowser's fury or even mario's odyssey you could jump from uh the original super mario brothers right into that and not really feel like you've lost anything yeah i think like nintendo's really good at making their stuff so accessible that even if it really seems like it's more like i guess child oriented stuff like most I would say games, family oriented. Family oriented. Yeah, family oriented. But, yeah. but I mean, it's, it has like a wide appeal to gamers because there's there's a lot of veteran gamers, hardcore like you know FPS junkies that could still really enjoy a, you know a game of Smash or playing like you know like like a, something something like Mario Sunshine, like those games are still fun regardless of whether or not they're not uh, you know conform to what you usually play to. Like I feel like for a lot of people who aren't necessarily super invested in Nintendo like uh you know like maybe like someone that's more oriented to like Josh's style of gaming like Nintendo was like a nice vacation from the usual games that you play before you kind of get back to it yeah Nintendo just like knows how to do fun that's like one of one of the things that is their repertoire is they've they've been doing games forever and they just kind of try to focus on fun not really like a a story driven or like hyper intense um narrative uh mature narrative thing like the last of us which is what uh sony does or halo like a first person shooter like microsoft would do gears of war anything like that nintendo just does their own thing and they just want to make fun games for the family well not just but i mean like that's a lot of what they do and it works for them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like um because i actually watched uh, this um interesting video a while ago on how the design philosophy for Nintendo started, starting with just the first Mario. And they literally like made it so that each part of the game teaches you how to play the game as you're doing it just by virtue of the mechanics. And it's made so that literally anybody, it's like a dummy proof game that anyone can get into, you know? So 
um, I like how they they just kind of intermingle the the sensibilities of gamers like that. It's, it's really interesting. Mm. Sure. And I didn't want to make it sound like they dumb down games for for people. They just make games accessible to yes. more people than. I, yeah, I don't think yeah. that's dumbed down. I think that that's, that takes a skill. It's hard to make a game, you know, both like have high quality and appeal to everybody. You know. Mm. Usually games like that end up being like phone games rather than like, you know, award-winning titles. Mm, that's right. true. I mean, hell, like if I want to, if I want to play, you know, play a game that has one of my favorite video game characters, um, I have to play Nintendo. Like if I want to play, if I want to be Link in a Zelda game, I have to play, I have to get onto Nintendo game, Nintendo systems to play as Link. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's like, and I like, and I'm not, I don't necessarily like love proprietary stuff, but you know, because it's like, it feels like Apple in the form of gaming sometimes. But you know, at the same time, uh, you know, when I really think, when you really think about it, I don't really feel like a, a non Nintendo studio could really give you a super authentic Nintendo experience, you know? Hmm. Well, you brought up Metroid Other M earlier, which um, was noteworthy to me because I'm not like I'm not well versed in Nintendo, but I know Metroid Other M was not real well received. And yeah. I remember Nin- Ninja Theory worked on that, right? Yeah, not yeah. Ninja Theory or whoever the company was that used to work on Dead or Alive. Um, yeah, maybe it's just Team Ninja. Ninja Theory is who worked on Hellblade. Sorry, Team Ninja. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, when other teams try to work on what Nintendo does, I'm not sure it's as successful as what Nintendo does in-house. They um, they just know what they're doing. And uh, I think they acquire studios that are kind of the same way. Like uh, Game, the, Game Freak isn't owned by Nintendo, but we all know Pokemon is just a Nintendo game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, I think, but I think it's like they, they give them enough freedom to like let them do their thing, but still enough Nintendo is injected in there for it to be Nintendo. Like... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I think uh, with, with with like the Metroid Other M version, they tried to give it like a, a new gameplay mechanic that people aren't as used to with Metroid, which is like kind of like slower, more explorative. You're looking for weapons and bosses and turned it into like something that would be, I guess, more appropriate as a Dead or Alive game versus a Metroid game. You know, I don't think it's, a, I actually would argue it's not necessarily a bad game, but it's it's not a good game for Metroid. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I guess as part of this discussion too, I think we touched a little bit on it earlier, but uh, with PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox coming out, that's when the um, console war started. I think uh, the internet and the gaming community as a whole is at that point where we're trying to get rid of that, but it's still a thing, especially with the fourth... so sad the fourth (laughs) army for the console war being uh the pc master race Um, that's a meme but yes yeah (laughs) but what do you all think of that um personally i i would say that i did used to be a sony fanboy and i think it's just like as obviously i've been gaming for years my my mind has expanded and i do enjoy all the companies I want to get an Xbox Series X, but it's just so hard right now. But I did game on the Xbox. Uh, Friends had consoles that I would play on. Uh, And of course, Nintendo is uh, the company I can mainly game on now because I have a Switch. But um, did you all ever participate in the console wars? And what do you think of them now? No, I'm kind of like, I'm I'm like, I'm I'm like Holland. So (laughs) I, 
I, I think that it's stupid that we have that we have this this this, this uh, dissent between all the different gaming communities. Um, to me, my 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 core philosophy when it comes to it is I go where the games are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not a, it's it's not about the games. It's about, it's not about the consoles. It's about the game. So you give me yeah. a good game, I'll support your console because that's the way for me to play it. That's and I've actually. I don't have a rule too. I used to have a rule with Nintendo because I felt like I rarely, because I only play Nintendo. I only played Zelda really. So um, I was like, I want, but I had a, I had a console for Nintendo. I was like, I want to give it some love. So yeah. what I would do is I would, if a third party game came out and it was available on all consoles, I would get it for the Nintendo console instead. So I can give my con- my Nintendo console some love. Mm-hmm. It's so it's um, yeah. It's just, please. It's like, you know, you, I mean, y'all can if you want to have fun and, and give each other crap, fine. But I'm still gonna tell. I'm still, I'm still gonna say it. Like, you know, you can't argue that PlayStation has the better exclusives at this point. I think like, <laughs> so. I, I, I actually, I actually used to be like a just. I, I used to be really invested. And I mean, not super invested in the console wars, but I was like definitely like towards the PS side because you know, like when I was get was trying to pick between like an Xbox and uh, a three an, X, an xbox 360 and a ps3 it was really like fuck, do i want to play metal gear solid 4 or do i want to play bioshock and i was mm-hmm. honestly just like you know same thing was just deciding which system i was going to buy for which game and then you know bioshock just came out for the ps3 so i'm like oh cool i can get both so i'll just go with the ps3 but i think i always got a lot of shit for it from everybody i knew at school oh, really because I, I went with like you know the ps3 like the the at the time, the, the the shittier choice, or like the like the not the shittier choice, but in the popular kind of like, oh yeah, everybody in school has an Xbox kind of. The thing. weirdest thing is that PlayStation Three was definitely lagging behind the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty when it came out, as far as like uh, sales of those systems went. Uh, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty won that generation, but PlayStation Three eventually caught up in a way where they surpassed sales of the Three Hundred and Sixty, and now we're at a point now where um i guess this is not now but uh for every playstation or yeah for every four sorry let me start that over for every two playstation fours that were sold uh one xbox one would sell Mm -hmm. so lately it's been leaning towards people going towards the playstation side um again like josh said we we're kind of going where the games go yeah and right now that's still playstation but playstation 5 hasn't it just came out Xbox Series X just came out. Um, but, but I think who, is, who knows what's going to happen with uh, this is, next. But you mentioned something important there. I think this is like something that's been kind of building with Sony for a while because like Sony didn't really get as many people because they didn't have the immediately recognizable and accessible games like Halo or Gears of War in the Xbox 360 PS3 era. But I think like they kind of caught up because they slowly built up a strong library of exclusives over time. Things yeah. like The Last of Us and the and the and you know the what is it called? Nathan Drake. Uncharted. Uncharted. You know uh, the, the Metal Gear series. Just all of these exclusives just kept building up into like this just really like solid list of games. And you know by the time they got to the P- to the PS4. Xbox One era, they're like, yeah, we just have to go completely all in on just pumping as many quality titles as possible. And that's basically what like won them the day with that generation. There's just so many good titles to play. So if they're like doubling down on that strategy, there's a decent chance they're gonna be like up there for, for a while because at the end of the day, it's still about the games. 
you know, you're not going to like mm. be a fanboy for something that doesn't have titles you want. Mm. Well, I thought we would move on to talking about our predictions about what these companies are going to be doing next. Cause, um, Okay. It's pretty interesting what we know about the companies right now, what we think they'll do next. But before that, I did want to go through the top five best-selling consoles of all time. Okay. Because I, I know I've heard this a lot, but I don't think we've ever brought it up on our podcast. So I do just want it to be a little blurb we have, and this would be the place for it, I think. Uh, the number five best-selling console of all time at this time is the PlayStation 3, which sold $86 million. Uh, number four is the Nintendo Wii, which sold 101 million. Uh, number three is the original PlayStation, which uh, which sold 102 million. Really? Yeah. Such an awesome console, man. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. I actually did not expect that one. Yeah. The number two is PlayStation Four at 108 million. And number one is the PlayStation <laughs> Two at 155 oh. million. No way. Oh, it's I didn't know the PS2 still held the title. Dang. Damn. Yep, one, two, three, and four are among the top five best selling consoles of all time, with the Wii being number four. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean it does it does make sense. I mean, if if you were to if you were to come and look at my game collect my physical game library, you would see that I have like three, almost four shelves dedicated to PlayStation games. And I have one shelf for one shelf for Xbox and Xbox 360, a half shelf for Xbox One and Nintendo GameCube and Wii games, and then one shelf of Pokemon games. But, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I actually think that list like is still like not quite fair to Nintendo in context mm. because I guess it's like if you're just like if since we're in in the context of, of this episode, we're talking about the companies themselves. Like Nintendo has three of the five most best-selling systems of all time. But Nintendo, you know, you don't have to, you don't just give them the sales of their systems mm. as in like their core systems. You also have to include the mobile systems like the Game Boys. True. So point. when you have the 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 Wii, the, the Switch, which is very, which is still breaking records. And then like you have all the sales for the Game Boys, the DSs, the 3DS, uh, and you know the the useless iterations like the 2ds and whatnot they made. <laughs> what even was that? But anyways, <laughs> uh, like I all of that. I was just gonna say that's fair to say uh, because yeah, that's just like of all time. But the Switch has been killing sales records, like you said. The Switch has been the best selling console for months now. Yeah, and give it time. Switch might re- might replace PlayStation Two. Just give it time. Yeah, because yeah. The, the because the thing about the Switch that's crazy, and I just didn't know this because like I got a Switch fairly early on, so you know I never noticed. Okay. But the the Switch during the pandemic, um, actually initially before the the PS Five and the and the Xbox Series X came out, it was sold out everywhere constantly, and people couldn't get their hands on one. There was a bunch of price gouging, and you know Nintendo couldn't keep up with the demand. Right. They were literally experiencing what Sony and Microsoft are experiencing right now. And the only reason for that was because the new generation of systems hadn't come out yet. So like, it's pretty impressive that like it took the PS5 and the Xbox Series X coming out to, you know, for those, for those two companies to just start to overcome Nintendo in sales. Sure. You know? Sure. Damn. Well, like I you said, know, I wanted to. Oh, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. One thing to keep in mind too, when you uh, one thing that uh, if you want to look at when it comes to social 
well, I guess we'll call it social services. <laughs> I don't know. Gaming. Social maybe. services. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> terrible word to use. Well, okay. So I'm looking at it from like a game from um, a multiplayer gaming community standard or, um, you know, yeah. Um, that if you were to look at, I would say the hardest console, we've already brought this up, but the hardest console to play with your friends is by far the, is by far Nintendo Definitely. and the Switch. Um, then, then the next one I would have to say is going to be, uh, we argued, of course, PlayStation. And then next is going to be Xbox. And the way I'm going to say, the reason I'm saying Xbox is king at it is just a king when it comes to multiplayer as far as being able to uh, voice over IP, all that fun jazz, is that it's, the, it's a better, robust system. I, I would say that like Xbox definitely, Microsoft does it best as far yeah. as like gaming online. I would say uh, Sony with the PlayStation isn't that far behind as much no, as yes, Nintendo no. is behind both of them because Nintendo is trailing like mm. way far behind those other two because you could rank them that way. Yeah, say like number one, Microsoft, oh. number two, Sony, and number three, Nintendo. But Nintendo is so bad at this. Yeah, yeah. yeah doing so I'm awesome looking at it too. I'm also not, not only from like being able to game with your friends, but I'm also looking at it. What do you get for your subscription? And Microsoft is still better because of Game Pass. <laughs> so yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But I think like Microsoft has been working at that for so much longer. Right. Because like, you know, at the time when Sony was putting their all into trying to making as many like just solid titles as they could, you know, the, the, the Microsoft saw the writing on the wall and put everything into like expanding online multiplayer because that was the future. Right. I mean, granted, I think like N- Nintendo still had a solid bet and that solid games will never be replaced by anything else really. But, you know, online multiplayer is still like a huge pivotal part of gaming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I think it just like, it just, they had to, it, it took them time to catch up. And even if they do catch up, you know, it's still, they're still going to be behind until they make some sort of breakthrough like Game Pass, mm-hmm. which right now they're not really aiming to do because I think they're just putting their money into like, you know, pumping out solid titles again, which isn't a bad strategy, but, you know, I don't ever think they're going to beat Microsoft in online multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this oh. is a perfect jumping point because you said like where they're going from now um i'd like us to talk about our predictions from where they're going now because obviously we could say for microsoft they've purposely come out and said you know we don't see nintendo and sony as our competitors anymore we see uh google and uh i forget who else it was but basically we're doing cloud gaming now that's what we're focusing on that's that's where our future is uh, Sony, I think they're still focusing on console gaming. We had the PlayStation 5 come out. It doesn't really look, look like they're doing anything different as far as like uh, what they do. They know what they're doing. Uh, Nintendo, I th- I feel like maybe they've, they've just got a lot to improve on with their online infrastructure. But uh, it seems like the same thing with them. They're just maybe looking to release a more powerful version of the Switch, possibly if rumors are to be to be believed. Uh, but I'm wondering what you all think is coming next from uh, these three companies. I think that Microsoft is going to start working more closely with Nintendo. I think we're already starting to see those signs already. Yeah. Um, so I do believe that um, at some point, so Nintendo is going to improve their online subscription, that they're going to actually try to be competitors to let us be able to play Splatoon 3 together not having to be on discord or <laughs> Skype to be able to talk to each other or our phones. Cause that's, I'm trying to figure that out. Cause I've got a friend who literally um, met playing division two, found out that he also plays monster hunter. He's a speedrunner. 
And um, I said, well, hell man, I love Monster Hunter World. Let's go play some Monster Hunter together. Ask him, are you interested in playing Monster Hunter Rise? Because I'm getting it. He's like, well, yeah, I think I'm going to get a switch. I'm going to get a switch. And I'm going to get Monster Hunter Rise. And I thought about it. I was like, well, hell, dude, how the hell are we going to talk to each other and play this game <laughs> so, together? And You're going to have like, to put your headphones on and then put an earbud that's connected to your phone underneath one of your We're going to use, yeah, we're going to use this. Yeah, yeah. See, that's so shitty. Yeah. That we're going to use Discord. <laughs> we're going to use Discord to talk to each other. So it's like, um, or I can use my PC to do it. It's, it sucks that I'm going to have to do that, but it's yeah. that's the way it's going to have to be. Um <laughs> I think if history has like taught and has shown us anything so far with Nintendo though, it's like whenever whenever they improve something they are kind of lackluster on, it's usually not in like incremental kind of things. It's usually in this kind of huge burst, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't that much time between the Wii U and the Switch mm-hmm. but, but they came out with this like revolutionary system anyways. So if they really wanted to get into the online gaming platform, they probably... For for all we know, they might they they might be building their infrastructure, and they've been doing it for years. They just haven't said anything, and they just haven't given us access. Do you believe that though? Do you think that's really where they what they're wanting to do? Because I'm not so sure. Um, it I seems think- like their infrastructure is so bad because they kind of want to make it better for kids to not have to encounter predatory online. Mm. Um, I think, which is why it's so bad in the first yeah. place. But I think that's why they're working on it, you know, like trying to like make a system that can like route out that problem isn't easy, you know. So right, I, I think right. so I think in considering how like they're kind of perfectionist with everything that they do, I don't think they'd be willing to give us any service that that isn't up to their quality standards. Right. And that's one thing too, is like I have niece I have nieces and if I was to get them, I did give them I get give my sister my PS3, but if I were to give a console to my to my nieces, it would be a Nintendo console. I wouldn't give them a PlayStation or an Xbox. Yeah. Because I want them I want my I want them to be I mean, they're ladies trying to grow up in a hostile world. So, I mean, yeah, it's like, and, you know, and, and hell, if I had nephews, I'd do the same thing with my nephews until they no, got no. into like their teens. I'm like, okay, cool guy, man. I'll get, I'll get you a PlayStation. I wish I had a nephew. <laughs> online, online, online gaming can get a bit toxic, but you know, like, yeah. you know, but, but I think it's like Nintendo always tries to find like some, you know, creative way to do it that other people, other people aren't doing. So mm. I would assume that they, if they did like make this new online system from that that people can play on it'd be something like that that'd be clever enough to screen for problems like we were talking about now yeah but you know maybe i'm just giving my nintendo more credit than they deserve on that front and they might have no interest (laughs) at all in doing anything online and knows that they have a dedicated cult of consumers well they they do that's they do so it's like they have no reason to care it's like it's like it's like we're not going to do that what are you going to do not buy pokemon get the fuck out of here but <laughs> it's really hard to know what they'll do because right. I, I'm not really sure Nintendo is that type of company who hears the same type of complaints and does something about it or not. Cause mm. it seems like they're hit or miss with that type of thing. Right. Mm. I'm not really sure about Nintendo, about Microsoft and the cloud gaming thing either though, to be honest. I like, I know they said that, but you know, y'all, I'm going to be honest. Um, Google Stadia is trash. You know, it is so trash that they had to restructure that that division of their. That of is their... garbage, by the way. We didn't cover that, but they basically hired a bunch of people to start making first party games in house. And then they said, 
you know what? Forget it. And then fired them and let them all go. Yeah. Like such bullshit. Well, that's how micro, that's how Google does their projects. Unfortunately, they have like, they, they make all these projects and then they, they'll put money into it. And if it's, if it works, they'll keep going with it. If it doesn't work, they, they, they abandon it. And unfortunately Stata was a project that looks like it was a lot of money went into it. Um, It's not successful. So they're, they're dialing it back. But it almost seemed like they were like, let's hire a bunch of game developers. What? It's been a year. Where's the game? You're fired. It's like yeah. they don't understand how this how this industry works at all. Right. And the weird thing is, it, it's like they have the money to hire people that understand that. But, you know, I digress. I think that because, like, Google is not really competition, realistically, for, for them, I think they just, like, want to buffer themselves into making this cloud-based gaming system just in case there is. And if any Honestly, company's gonna do a good job of it right now, Microsoft is the only company we can look to because they have that yeah. game industry experience as well as mm-hmm. being like a tech giant. They, have, true, the, they have the infrastructure to support it. Yeah. Yeah. True, but, but but at the same time, um, I, I think that like you guys remember when they tried to get it get into like you know uh, the the motion control gaming thing with when they were trying to push oh the, the kinetic the kinetic the, the, the kinetic had, on people yeah. More yeah. than that, they've had plenty of failed attempts to True. introduce mm. experimentation in gaming. They had this uh, cool, I remember a video where they were, Microsoft was working on this like little like hologram display that would integrate into your games. And it would display oh, so like cool. the graphics on the wall behind your TV and then yeah. like also scan your room and do it all over the room. Mm. I heard about that years ago and nothing mm. else since. Right. Yeah, yeah, because but because the same thing like Google, like they look into something and then they're like, yeah, hey, you know what, fuck it, this is a waste of time. Because mm-hmm. they, they have the money to be able to say fuck it, you know? Right. Like if, Because they're not like, oh, we poured too much money into this, we have to finish this project. That's not really an issue for them. They're too big. But one but, thing that Microsoft hasn't tried that Sony has tried is VR. And yeah. PlayStation is pretty much the most accessible and affordable VR option for gamers right now. Do you guys see that going anywhere? Yeah, um, yes, actually. I'm anticipating them announcing the next version of the PSVR probably within the next uh, within the year, possibly. Yeah, I would say is- within the year sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah. so, um, but the, my only concern about it is um, you know, I don't, to me personally, there's not very many worthwhile vr games to play that's yeah it's still yeah. in its it's still yeah. in its infancy but exactly think, yeah you got your astrobot you got your moss you got your beat saber and then those are fun games but those are still like those are still like um side dish games they're not oh like, resident mm-hmm. evil 8 i think i feel like that's maybe the biggest so, so, for psvr that's what i was gonna say like i think when they have like a really or resident great... evil 7 i mean sorry <laughs> Well, I mean, I think when they have like a series of really breakout games, like a game that like a VR game that's popular enough to like push into the mainstream, that's when like kind of the investment into VR games is going to increase. Mm. And I think until that point comes, Nintendo just wants to like hold their cards and keep the VR card in their hand until right. until that happens. And I, I have to say the most, for me, probably the, other than Moss, the most, uh, I'd say, yeah, the most fun I've had playing a VR game would have to be uh, Star Wars Squadrons. Because I have a game. Hmm? Was that a game? Hey, uh, I don't know. What you, I, I don't know. 
Uh, it's I, I, I guess it doesn't make you nauseous, but it makes me think of Ace oh, Combat. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. I suffer for It's weird. <laughs> I can go skydiving and not experience motion sickness, but I experience motion. But I can my body moving, though, obviously. But where, but when I'm playing uh, in VR, I can get nauseous. Okay, so I last the longest when I'm playing Moss. <laughs> but, I still get, I still, but I still get motion sickness playing Moss, though. Yeah. I think the thing with... Uh, go ahead, Vasil. No, no, I, I feel it. My, I actually have the, the same thing. Like, I, I don't get sick if I'm on, like, a, an actual, like, whirling, spinning, like, mm-hmm. ride at a theme park. But, like, there's, like, like, I, like not, not even VR games. Like, there, and the, the reason I stopped playing the PS1 for a while is that whenever I played Spyro on it, the, the way the camera angles would shift would make me dizzy and want to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Like, okay. like, Fair enough. Well, I was going to say, um, the way that Sony talks about their sales numbers for the PlayStation VR, it looks like they're really proud of how well it's mm-hmm. done. So it doesn't look like they're stopping that train anytime soon. No, um, there's still a market there. VR is still, aside from Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, VR is still a market that's growing, and we can give thanks to COVID for that. Yeah, and, and I, yeah. Think that, I think that Sony is taking a similar approach with VR that like Microsoft is taking with this cloud gaming business where that, you know, they, it hasn't blown up yet, but if it does, they want to be like the primary established purveyors of that when it happens so that, you know, like the, they're still going to be the first person to go to for that type of content. I think that PlayStation is still kind of in that market too. I think they're not as serious about it, but they did lower the price for PlayStation now, which is their uh, gaming streaming service to about $10 a month, okay. uh, which is a good price for it now. And who knows if they're actually trying to make it more interesting to people so that they can improve on it or what they're mm-hmm. doing with that. But obviously they still have that part of their, of their business that they have open still. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think okay. I really could, I kind of see, I would really see like Sony doubling down on their game production efforts and yeah. just you know, trying to do something to trying to like adopt a similar like business model to like Nintendo, where they just try to acquire as many studios as they can that show promise and just permanently integrate those into their in-house system, and just let them kind of make make their shit from there. We didn't and, you know that either, but like of course Microsoft is releasing all their games on the PC, so console exclusive mm-hmm. isn't really a thing for them anymore. But at the same time, I think that they've. Uh, really taking a note from Sony in that uh, lately they've been buying up studios like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of notable and good studios. And uh, the games that those studios release um, still come out for the PlayStation, but I'm kind of curious of what's going to be the future of that, what it's going to look like in about two to three years when they have all these companies still under their belts with their games finally releasing, and if mm-hmm. they should have more studios under their belt by then too. Right. Uh, well, I don't know. I think like even though like I think Xbox still has its exclusives, even if they are available for PC as well, I think it's still exclusive in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of people who are just intimidated at the thought of a PC. um, And it's just more comfortable to just have an all-in-one system that does everything for them. Because for a lot of people- I I don't mean like just PC because uh, Microsoft has acquired Double Fine, which has Psychonauts Mm -hmm. 2 coming out um, in the future which is still releasing for PlayStation. And same with Bethesda, uh, they have Ghostwire Tokyo coming out later this year, which is going to be a PlayStation exclusive for a while before they can actually put it on Microsoft systems. So it's almost like 
Microsoft is okay with sharing their games with PlayStation and even making exclusive games for them at this point, mm. excuse me, at this point, but not knowing what the future of that looks like as uh, these companies continue to be under their wing. And like I said, in the future, should they have more companies under that Microsoft brand? Well, I think it might be that Microsoft is changing their strategy because like for them, you know, with Sony, like the, the, their games are the most profitable thing they have. The, the PS5 yeah. is like their lifeblood with like, you know, Microsoft, that's just a piece of their like empire. And they're just trying to polish that particular part of it. So, you know, I think they're just like, like Samsung, Samsung is huge, not just because they make the galaxies and, and, and the TVs and the headphones and whatnot. They also build components that the other companies rely on. Um, Apple, you know, Apple's chips are made by Samsung. You know, like a lot of, there's a bunch of stuff that Microsoft uses that's also made by Samsung. So, but in, in turn, Microsoft does that same thing. There's so much shit that they make for other companies. So even if like, they're not in direct competition with them, they're still profiting from their success. You know, like they're not making as much if they mm. at least put in the effort for their game now, but it's still like more sustainable to like lease out some of this stuff. So for them, it's just like more revenue stream. They don't have to beat uh, Sony in the video game console market to make as much money, if not more than them, you know? Mm. They're just, uh, it's just the size, yeah. Just because like really when you think about it, only Nintendo and Sony, I'd say are like really majority game companies. Microsoft is a tech company. I think we've covered it, guys. I think um, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went to the past, we went to the present, and we talked about the future. Um, anything else you guys want to say you about know, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft? I do got to say this. So one of the great things I thought about, I experienced recently playing you know, Division, was I got to go on a raid with a clan that I never knew about. That clan, said clan is called uh, Zero Foe Given. And uh, the event was just a raid called Iron Horse. But the, uh, what was the requirements, though, prerequisite to be able to go was you had to have the tight red leather jacket from the Resident Evil 2 event. So it's Jill Valentine's red jacket. Are you sure it wasn't Claire Redfield? Claire, Maybe Claire it was Claire. Redfield. Maybe it was Claire. My bad, Claire. So we had to wear Claire's. I don't play Resident Evil. <laughs> I, 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 I had to. Everybody had to wear. Everybody had to wear that red jacket. And I thought, now this is kind of just. No, this is just gaming. Gaming in general for communities is just that one of the best things that could definitely benefit Nintendo is having a better online system to be able to organize community events. Like like what I got to experience recently, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think that Nintendo likes organizing community events, though. To be honest with you guys, well, I know, I know, I know. It's just, <laughs> like like, just, like well, not only that, keep, like, they keep making these games that like letting these games be made on their console that require co-op, and there's no way to communicate with them other than to, having uh, so, to figure something yeah. out before Splatoon yeah. three comes out. Yeah, yeah like you know, but like you know, the Smash community, they they show no support at all, and a lot of times they sometimes like actively. Nah, we're not trying to help you guys out. You know, right? Uh, you're like, well, uh, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate got taken out of Evo this last year because of their online infrastructure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's I, mean, I don't know. It's it's I, it's the biggest thing is that we are you know, as a humanity is evolving in in social and social dynamics. 
so it's like that it's so it's if gaming's a gaming is a part of culture now it's actually it's popular now to be a gamer right it's back back when we were younger it wasn't popular to be a gamer now it's socially accepted online is more important than ever right now especially with the new generation Mm -hmm. every time i go into a house not every time but most of the time when i go into a house to do my job and there's kids there and they have control of the TV. It's Fortnite I see on the TV, like yeah. nine out of 10 times if they're on the TV. Mm-hmm. So it's a big part of gaming now. And Nintendo's really got to do a lot to catch up. They're doing good at what they do, but they mm-hmm. got to work a little bit harder because there's something that uh, they're they're not catching up on uh, that they really need to as far as current times go. I think they just don't know how to like thread the needle between keeping their family friendly persona while also connecting it to this greater community that 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 isn't always for that type of content. They're a video game company. Step it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Um, about ready to close out if you guys are ready to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me. It was uh, an interesting topic. I think we got a really cool episode going on right here um but first off let's give special thanks to anchor.fm for hosting and distributing our little podcast show you can visit our website at anchor.fm slash tcog and if you'd like to reach out to us and ask us questions or give us feedback um, you can find us on twitter at cauldron gaming or go ahead and email us at the cauldron of gaming at gmail.com now we've got extreme gratitude going out to Naughty Bits. He provides us with the music we use on our show. To find out more about him, find his music on SoundCloud at Naughty Bits. That's all one word. Again, that's Naughty Bits as in Josh isn't going to be naughty this time. Uh, please rate, well, review, and subscribe to our little podcast. <laughs> sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're never sorry. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our little podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. It really helps us get out there, and we'd love to. Con- I'm sorry, we'd love to connect with more of you gamers out there. Let's connect. Let's say les bons temps Be you. Be kind. Game on. <laughs>